Hello, hi, welcome back to the TetraCast. We are episode 258, recording on July 2nd, 2022. As you can hear, once again, I, Josh Torres, am hosting this podcast for this week. Uh, our regular host, Brian Vitali, is still out. And uh, he should be back with us shortly, probably next week. Maybe not so, next week. Or maybe not next week. Uh, he basically has family is. visiting for a while, and it's just kind of like, you can't just set aside, step aside to do a podcast. So Yeah, yeah. So very understandable, you know, uh, family first and all that. So maybe you have to stick with me for a while. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, as you heard, uh, joining me today is Adam Vitali. Hello. Yeah, Chow Min Wu. How's it going? We have James Galizio. Hey, folks. And then joining us, guest starring, is Cullen Black. I wonder how different my life will be the next f- couple of five months when I come back. Who will know? <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, we have a lot for you this week. Uh, a Nintendo Direct Mini happened. Uh, didn't didn't feel mini to us. There's a lot of relevant games on that. And along the way, we had a big new uh, release of a Monster Hunter expansion, and just uh, Anime Expo is currently happening, so there's a few bits of news coming out of there already, and more to come as the event uh, goes on. So we'll just uh, dive right into it, uh, starting with the big release this week, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. This is the expansion content to uh, Monster Hunter Rise, has the G-Rank, Master Rank, uh, content in it, just like to build a Monster Hunter series. Uh, to people who started the world, it's kind of like the Iceboard expansion equivalent uh, to that. Uh, you know, uh, me and James have been playing it for quite a while now. It's been uh, a few weeks. So uh, James put up his guide. Uh, not his guide, his review, and, uh, and then the guide also, and I put up some guides for it as well. But let's just go dive right in with the person who reviewed it. James, Sunbreak. Me and you have been working away at it, but we want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, it's a really good expansion. It's uh, probably not my favorite expansion. That's still Iceborne, though. It's also not a hundred percent fair because Iceborne obviously got quite a bit of like post-launch uh, updates that added in quite a few like new endgame monsters and mechanics. Which, uh, from what we can tell, the same is going to happen with Sunbreak. So. Maybe my thoughts on the expansion will be a little bit different a year from now. Who knows? Yeah, they're still going to have uh, free title updates for this coming. The first one in August, they announced Lucent Nargakuga for it. And then in the Nintendo Direct, they shared a new trailer with some of the monsters in it. And then part of that free first title content update, they're also bringing back uh, Seedling Basil Yeast along with Lucent Narg uh, on that. So, like... Uh, you know, we and you mean you could talk about Sunbreak for for forever, but just going in, like, what were like some of like the few highlights that stood out uh, stood out to you right away when you first got into Sunbreak? So one of the things that really surprised me was um, the follower system. I like I was interested in it because when it was kind of announced, it was like, oh, I wonder how that's going to work out because Monster Hunter hasn't really exactly had like, NPCs fighting with you, in the mainline game at least, before. So, I was, I was very curious to see how that would work out. I um, was pleasantly surprised. I think it works way better in practice than, honestly, it probably should have. Mm-hmm. Um, though it is very weird that uh, 
that you cannot do any of them in multiplayer because the thing is, is that, and you can vouch for this, if you're doing an urgent quest in multiplayer, most of the urgent quests have at least one uh, follower joining you in the, on them. And I actually just hopped on to like uh, the Malzino urgent quest last night um, with a random group like in the uh, SOS flare system or however it's called in uh, Rise. And I can confirm, and this is really weird, especially if you've been a long time Monster Hunter fan, you can have a full four-person party and that one follower will actually still be hunting with you. You technically have five people hunting, which is, uh, in lore, it's like, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it, it is like one of those like features that Capcom mentioned that like a lot of people, like, like even including me, I was like, okay, that's cool that you can have NPCs just, like hunt with you, but how much am I really gonna care like uh, in the long run? And it's kind it's kind of cool how they do it because it's if you just want to like, have a chill session by yourself, you can play, you still play with like other characters uh, assisting you, and like the the AI for them is surprisingly competent. Um, like the they when they if they happen to die on a monster they don't use up any of your cards you they, they just get up on their own or you can help them up, uh, and they do like they actually like help you out like for example one of the one of the followers may be more supportive so like when you're like stunned they'll actually like try to like hit you out of it or like I saw like a, a webm going out around of like uh, Luchika one of the characters uh, you meet in Sunbreak they were as a, they were a follower and like this person in this webm was like stunned and like dead to rights going to be dead in the next attack and like the chica was still like um like a, a few like steps away from them so like they, they couldn't hit them out of it but what she, what she did was like she threw like a bomb or an item at them that snapped them out of it and was able to like dodge like last second out of the attack i'm like that's that's really really cool that's crazy like, cause like you, you never see that in multiplayer. Really, you know, no one's really gonna help you. Like, unless you're like close friends to that person, or like, um, you know, a more competent hunter. Like, I know that uh, how to do that. Um, but uh, it's also really neat to see that uh, followers are like have their own personality. They like you can definitely tell. Like, oh, this person's demeanor is like kind of like this they have like some random quips during battle to kind of interact with you and even like help you out in a meaningful fashion like hey hold on give me a few few minutes i'll be right back and then you're like what are they gonna go do and then what they do is like they go grab another monster at the other end of the map and like mount them and they go help you out you know uh get get the upper hand on what you're fighting uh so that's uh the follower system is really cool and like progressing them has like good long-term benefits for people as well because they unlock new armors new weapon sets uh through them as well so it's not it's not like you know you're getting absolutely nothing out of them you're you're unlocking more content as you uh progress through that stuff and i think uh, i think just in general like you know like monster hunter g rank expansions you know add uh, like they change monsters in a pretty meaningful way so like in this expansion you know monsters are are obviously more aggressive and faster than ever, but also like a good chunk of the new attacks uh, for older monsters makes you really rethink those fights. Like I, I've been speaking with people and seeing like, oh, but which monsters have been like, you, you've been having trouble with some of like, some of, the, of them are like, well, like Royal Ludroth is really, really tricky in, in this expansion because it won't stop moving around. It keeps 
it keeps moving around. Um, Rathalos like exhibits some Wraithian behavior because it keeps like spinning and uh, spinning around like a like a Wraithian would. And like and then for, for one of my uh, friends, like uh, he's, he was terrified after seeing Gosharag's new move. And it's like yeah, that thing like one shot me, and I'm like I have to really respect that fight now. For me, I was shocked the first time I fought uh, Master Rank uh, Nargakuga and it did its tail okay. slam, and it was like, so it like would jump basically halfway across the area for its second slam and then track. So it's like, unless you dodge a very specific way, you're going to dodge right into it, and it's like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. People, people have been people have been dreading uh, Master Rank uh, Nargakuga also because like its wings are tightened up now, so like they're attacks will bounce off the wings at, at a certain phase of that fight. It's like, it's making it a, a, a trickier fight even more difficult. Because like, now you're like, kind of pushed to like, okay, where do I, where are, where's my really tight opening to like, uh, strike at like, uh, a tender part of its body now. Um, I've seen some people also like, uh, really get, uh, thrown off by like, oh, they can't just like, wirefall recovery immediately out of like, every attack. Like some people like, have carded to Tetranodon because Tetranodon has that, like, does its big butt slam, like, two times. So, like, people think it's like, oh, it's the butt slam move. I got hit by it. Let me go wirefall recovery out of it. And then Tetranodon's like, nah, I'm just going to, like, butt slam you in the middle of that now as well if you did it immediately. So, like, it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing because in some ways, like, the attack patterns in Sunbreak's, uh, in Sunbreak is taking into account, uh, like, people's tendency to wirefall uh, bug recovery out of like attacks, so it kind of takes like a, a more of like an Elden Ring approach to like the uh, of a, uh, AI behavior patterns and like the way they hit, because like a lot of attacks are delayed now deliberately, uh, trying trying to like uh, see like if you're gonna try to you know uh, wirefall recovery immediately. So that that's really thrown off a lot of people. It's like it's like is it gonna attack now? Now now is it? <laughs> can I wirefall recovery out of this? It really makes you think of like okay what's 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 my safe opening to like get out of this tricky situation? But it's it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I've been I had a blast of it. I'm gonna continue playing it uh, here and there with friends, and uh, craft, craft more weapon sets. Uh, like I, I did insect lab from uh, for pretty much of it, uh, all of my time uh, pre-release, but now I'm gonna go back and uh, learn hammer its new switch skills again. Um, oh yeah, the, the, before we move on, like one of the big things this expansion added was the switch skill, skill swapping mechanic james uh, what was your experience with that so i haven't used it as much as uh you probably well you definitely can but it's really interesting how it's not just simply oh you can swap to these different uh abilities when you want to use them and so and whatnot but there's even like specific armor set skills that are designed around the system like, uh, Furious Rajang's armor has that one skill that's basically, hey, like, attack until you, uh, max out, um, this one gauge, then switch to your other, um, switch skill set, and suddenly you have infinite stamina for a period of time, and it's like, huh, this, so this is very much just a, uh, dual blade set or something, mm-hmm. especially since it has, like, maximum might, so, like, when you switch, you get maximum might proccing because you have infinite stamina. 
Yeah, it, it, I really, it's, I think it's one of those uh, systems that's going to take more time to really flesh out within the community because right now, like, people are still in that phase of, like, learning the system, seeing what it can do, but they're kind of like, we don't, it, it's kind of like, in, in a way to, like, fully utilize that system, you really need, like, a lot of, like, playtime and experimentation with that to get the most out of it. Like, at the at the offset, like, it's just like, I can swap to another move set with different switch skills and, like, play a different style for, like, a certain phase of the fight where, like, you kind of, you benefit more from doing that. And that's, like, it varies per per weapon. Like, uh, like the, every, everyone's mileage may will vary depending on the weapon the, uh, and their play style out of it. So it adds, it adds a new element, but it's not forcing it on you. Like, it's, it's an entirely optional system that uh, people can make use of or just continue, you know, playing the way that they want to. And I think that's kind of the best implementation of it where it's not like there's nothing about that the game that says oh you must uh use the systems constantly to beat this fight it's it's not it's not ever in your way but it will it's gonna be one of those systems it's like i'm curious to see how it evolves in the in the coming months and as people you know could continually refine their play style and seeing like what works and what doesn't like some like even without that system, like the switch skills in themselves have like transformed the way that some weapons, like like the insect leap, for example, like uh, there's like a new like powder um, tech, tech for that uh, for that weapon because of the changes and balances balances that uh, it received. Like now people are using like uh, insect powder to really like go for like really really big damage uh, at certain points in the fight, and like you never really used insect powder that much. <laughs> ever on insect waves so it's really opening up a lot of new play styles in that way but you know uh other than that returning monsters like uh, th- there was a lot of new monsters and returning monsters that james and i encountered before capcom you know revealed them so that was a- an element that like it was great to us because you know it wasn't officially revealed and we're like oh my god this thing is back this thing is back you know um, i think my favorite thing is is um so, one of the, like, loading screens got leaked, but um, I saw it in-game the first time while uh, doing a hunt with, uh, I guess I'll just call him a friend of the site, uh, Mikhail, who's uh, another reviewer that's um, based out of uh, India, which uh, both uh, Josh and I spent a lot of time uh, hunting with them. Um, so, I was doing a hunt with him, and the loading screen, I was like, wait a second, that monster we haven't seen that yet. And I wasn't sure, like it was so quick that I was like, I wasn't sure if I was just seeing things. So the next time I got a loading screen and I saw that, I immediately screenshot it. And it's like, Oh no. Yeah. There's definitely that monster. It's like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's penis is in this game. Oh shit. Gormagala is in this game. That sort of thing. It was very, it was very funny. Um, and it's definitely, uh, unique experience to uh play through a monster hunter before these, this type of stuff gets announced because like even at the very beginning it's like wait the jungle map is in here because they didn't announce it until like mm-hmm. a week after we got code it's like oh man yeah it, it was very very exciting to like because this is the first time i've i've played a monster hunter before release so experiencing that stuff for the first time without you know uh Mar- capcom's marketing kind of Revealing it was like it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I I, I had a lot of fun uh, with you know going through this. This is like my first rodeo with this kind of thing. So that was that was great. Um, 
you know, but but, but to respect people, you know, like uh, going through the game, we're not gonna really talk about like you know what the end game content is here. A lot of people haven't reached that yet. Um, well, maybe we'll go into it more like uh, in a future podcast and talk about it. But I'm I'm very interested to see how the community um, reacts to that as more of them uh, reach it. It's a it's definitely a different kind of uh, end game that m- most people are probably expecting. Uh, so I'm interested to see. Uh, what the, their reaction to it um as for now like you know any uh just final initial impressions on uh sunbreak uh now that just it just barely came out a few days ago um i'll just say that um i still prefer the style of monster hunter that world and iceborne brought to the table but i appreciate how they doubled down on what made rise unique with sunbreak and it definitely makes it easier to kind of get into versus base game rise in a lot of ways like all the small changes that just add to the quality of life of um type of game that rise was trying to be like being able to just run up walls without having to do that little hop if you're out of uh wire bugs and more importantly being able to if you just barely miss the top of a ledge with after a wire but well an evade after a wire bug dash you aren't just going to eat shit and fall all the way down now you can just immediately start running up the wall and not worrying about it and then like it's just so many little things that add up and it's like this is definitely even if you aren't a big fan of rise it's impossible to look at what Sunbreak is doing and not be like, oh yeah, they, they totally understood the assignment and they just made all of the changes that they needed to, to embrace what Rise was trying to be. Yeah. And I think, I think it's really cool that a lot of people are like finding like, like, you know, Capcom released that big balanced uh, up the list for the weapons that, uh, you know, combined with the switch skills and switch skill swapping, like a lot of people are rediscovering, like aspects of the weapon they play. That like it for a lot of them, it brings a new element to it, whether it's the balance changes and or the switch skills. So it's really cool to see that like people are just kind of like rediscovering and uh, and relearning in some cases, like how to play their weapon again against like with new play styles and new ways to like you know interact uh, with the monsters with them. And it's 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 really cool to see. I think that's like the the where the boss character period where it's like the most fun where people are just like figuring stuff out and like learning of like new other ways to play with other weapons and their current weapon of choice so it's it's just a really fun time and i i feel like the stuff community in general has been having a blast with it and it's like it's like we're not crazy we had a lot of fun with this expansion <laughs> so we feel justified <laughs> yeah, yep. in that way yeah, thanks, James, for joining me uh, chatting about Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, talk about it a little bit more as, you know, more title updates come and, you know, seeing yep. uh, where the community uh, discussion uh, leads us as more people get further. Um, Cullen, you have been uh, playing Fire Emblem Three Hopes. This is the the Dynasty Warriors Musou spinoff to Fire Emblem Three houses. I spoke a little bit about my time with the demo, my brief time with the demo, a few weeks back for this game, and I, I found it pretty fun in the way that it, you know, really stuck to the Fire Emblem Three Houses formula in particular. But obviously, that was still in the beginning of the game, and you've had a lot of time with the with the full game. So, uh, talk to us about it. So, uh, I actually feel kind of bad because I wasn't able able to be here for that or the I 
uh, discussions in the last couple of podcast that's, episodes. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. We barely, yeah. we barely talked about uh, uh, AI Nirvana Initiative uh, last time because I was barely starting. I got a little bit further, so not 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 fully up to you know fully completed like you and James. But you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's never too late. Yeah. Um, it's really weird because it's like I've been playing these games pr- like my entire June. I played these two games primarily and had no time for anything else because like doing guide work for three hopes is it was basically like another job (laughs) because these i don't i'm surprised that three hopes is as big as as it is and every time i'd mention this to someone they'd be like oh dynasty warriors games are always so big and it's like yeah but typically not like this where most of the content is main story content and it's not just a bunch of side stuff that you get to do at your own leisure where it's just like it each route is around like 30 to 50 hours long and then there are branch routes with like even more content to do but they really emulated the base game (laughs) after yeah length (laughs) it's it's huge uh i've really only played uh scarlet blaze and uh azure gleam uh big shout out to kite for coming in and helping me with guides on golden wildfire because i am beyond burnt out uh so i just need to say immediately this is a good game i need to like specify this just because everything i have to say following will probably be complaints (laughs) but it is a it is a good game i i like it i think it's honestly i probably like it a bit better than three houses uh oh okay but that like the content reuse across the roots really like it, it weighs heavy on you when you're going from like if you're playing this game back to back i don't recommend to anyone to just play it like not like just keep going okay so what what do you mean by content reuse are we talking about like same stages same yeah objectives? it's it's a lot of the same stages and uh because of the way the levels are designed if you're replaying them on a different route you are probably going to have a similar objective anyway so, but like they frame it differently based on the story like what's happening in the story but it is a lot of the same maps maybe they're at a different point in the story but it is usually that you by your second playthrough even you're gonna be kind of tired of all these areas uh okay, so, but like uh, uh, outside of the stages how about like the events that transpires it's still like similar like yeah, like a similar like story there, context of why you're going to these stages again or it's a bit different okay. there might be like diff- there's definitely gonna be different characters doing different things but from my experience it's like if a mission is reused in another route of the game it'll there will be very similar story beats happening in that area okay. just like you're on the different side this time uh and it's it's all like fine i think if the game's combat was not as good as it was i think there would this would be a much bigger issue cuz i was streaming the game trying to get to uh chapter 12 of azure gleam cuz that's where the story branches off and i was like I, I was bored out of my mind and the only reason i was able to keep going is that like throughout all like 70 hours i've played so far I can still have fun mashing buttons and killing guys. It's fun. 
Like the game's combat holds up. Congratulations, uh, maybe. Uh, Colin. You're a Dynasty Warriors fan now. I think I've been the entire time. I just <laughs> didn't realize it. I I buy every like Dynasty Warriors spinoff they put out of all these like main games. Uh, I don't think this game holds up gameplay wise as much as like Persona Five Scramble, but it's surprisingly good. I when when I was uh, waiting for them to uh, send uh, send the code for it, I decided to borrow my girlfriend's copy of the original Fire Emblem Warriors, and that gameplay holds up rather well. Like. Like, also, it's just nowhere near as good as this game, and that game's story is kind of ass. Yeah, and so a lot of that game... Like crossover story type, you know, oh, you yeah. came from another land. And a lot of people wanted that from this game. Like, they wanted another Fire Emblem Warriors to be another big crossover game, and they wanted that from the Persona 5 uh, spinoff as well. And I gotta say, like, I, I don't want that. I'd rather them make a good game first and foremost, like, than have a big fan service blowout game. I, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. What they're trying to do now, and, like, a lot of people I've seen are really bummed that they don't get the fun fan service co- uh, costumes and all, like, the crossover stuff, but what the current Dynasty, like, uh, Omega Force, I guess, uh, mission goal is to... If you're going to have, like, a uh, spin-off game with another property, make it a standalone good experience. Make it a good video game that holds up on its own. And then if you want to have all that little extra stuff, maybe, but, like, that's not the focus. Strikers is a good game, first and foremost. It is not something that you need to have, like, played all these games, and then you do a little clap every time... uh, you narakami uh talks about being a bro with uh the main character of persona 5 like that's not those little cheap fan service moments are not the goal their goal is to just take a property and then expand on it like focus on persona 5 or three houses and i want them to keep doing that i this think a lot of, of this is kind of the reason why i like the persona q games never clicked with me entirely like i like the gameplay of them uh, for the most part, but like the story aspect, the characters, how they interacted, like I just did, didn't care. Yeah, they're, like, and... they're, they're just like they're just like walking jokes. Like every time you see Chi, it's like meet, meet, meet. It's like all right, yeah, I get it, Chi. But you know, Chi is more than just saying about saying meet. But you know, how they characterize uh, the characters. In, in Certainly, the yeah. And I'm not above that. Let me make that clear. <laughs> I, like I love Q2. I think that game's great, and all those dumb fan service moments work for me in that game. But there, it's like it's riding that line, maybe a bit too, maybe a bit too wobbly. Where it's like, yeah, like I, you give me the option between like, oh, hey, what do you think's better, the story of like Scramble or Q two? And I'm like, obviously Scramble. Like it's because it's a focused story that's not trying to appease so many people. This is like Three Hopes is a game for Three Houses fans. It is not a game for Fire Emblem fans, even if it is more of a Fire Emblem game funny enough, than Fire Emblem Warriors is. I do enjoy the little flourishes that they did in uh, in my brief time at the demo uh, in uh, Three Hoofs. Like, you have that overhead map with the, with the pixel sprites and, like, kind of ordering yeah. people around. Like, that's really cool. It's like, okay, that's a nice nod, you know, to, to older uh, FE-style, uh, co- you know, cosmetic and all that. But it's a... Uh, it's... I think the, the a lot of people's worries, and, like, I... 
to me, even in my brief time of the demo, like I, I was like, okay, this runs at least better than uh, Age of Calamity, but I don't know how like the full game is and the, oh, it, when when, when like, things really are like really firing off. Yeah, no, it is. So, um, for those of you uh, listening who don't know, I was our reviewer for Age of Calamity, and I think Age of Calamity is a brilliant game that needed to be on better hardware. So much so that it really takes away from the game as a whole. Like. I love Age of Calamity. That was really contentious for story reasons that I completely don't agree with. Uh, I think that game's just great. That game is nearly unrecommendable because it runs so bad. It's it's kind of embarrassing how bad that game runs. Uh, so much so that like I didn't even bother with like all the expansion pass content. It's just like no, I'm done. Like yeah. I don't want to yeah, play that, this. That scared me enough. But yeah, like when people started coming out, like you know, it's like saying like I don't know about the performance about this guy's. Like I was like after the demo, I was like I was really dead set. I was like okay, I'm gonna play this game and I'll probably really enjoy it. Even though I, like you know, it's a demo, so maybe there's some optimization issues here and there that maybe they'll work out in the full game. And then full game comes up, it's like ooh boy, <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, well. it is. Which is why I was worried about this one as well. But I think yeah. they did a good job. Like so, I watched the Digital Foundry thing. Uh, they put out for this game and it is supposedly an unlocked frame rate and you can tell because if you're running around your base and you go to like this really like desolate parts of the map where no one's there the frame rate jumps to 60 and it'll... I, that's the first thing i did like the first camp that you go to i went to like some corner i was like wait the frame rate's higher here and i was just yeah. there like staring having the camera stare at the rocks only on the ground while moving around I'm like oh my god it's at 60 <laughs> But I will say it's commendable that, like, even though it is an unlocked frame rate, it stays almost a locked 30 most of the time. Okay. Uh, which is really going to be nice when the Switch sequel comes out and we can play all these games at a good frame rate. Like, this will be one of the first ones where I'll probably jump back to just to play it a 60 FPS, and hopefully Age of Calamity will be there as well at some point. Was Age of Calamity a uh, unlocked frame rate as well? I have no idea. I don't okay. know what they did with that. I think they just shoved all the uh, the um, Breath of the Wild assets. Yeah, all of the Breath of the Wild assets just slammed them in a Dynasty Warriors engine, and then said, <laughs> "Oh, what's up with this? Uh, I don't know." Get that. Get some butt rock uh, composer, and we're good to go. You have made a Dynasty Warriors. Zelda. You have made a Koei Tecmo game. <laughs> Uh, before I talk about, because uh, I'm I'm good to move on after this shortly, but uh, sure. I just have two things lingering. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed is that, and I don't know who composed the original three houses, but I feel like they might have gotten some guest composers. I'm pretty sure the Riza or Riza composer uh, worked on tracks in this game, okay. and you can kind of notice it if you listen to the supports. That's where like that style kind of is most prevalent. And also, I'm curious if we're going to get DLC for this game. I'm surprised they haven't said anything about it, but they didn't say anything about Age of Calamity until after launch. Yeah. I, I don't... Th- my, one of my, my biggest issues, I guess, is that... And I've only done one of the endings. I've almost done... I've played enough of Azure Gleam to write the guides on the branching and recruitment, but I haven't reached the ending, but I've heard from a friend that it's kind of, eh, is that the endings are very rushed 
and I'll need to talk to Kite when Kite finishes Golden Wildfire, where it is very strange how the endings just kind of happen, and they feel a bit half-baked. So mm. I'm wondering if, like, we get DLC, if there's going to be a fourth story route, or, like, an ex- like what you'd really do from this. And I don't think the game as a whole feels unfinished. It just feels like you have so much... Because the whole premise of this game, for people who haven't played or haven't cared to watch the uh, any of the marketing, is that they took that second half of the game, of Three Houses, and they expanded that to be the whole game. So it's just as much focus of a full game's length of, like, story into the war part of Three Houses, which definitely could have used some expansion on. So there's a lot more detail put into all of the tactics and politics that go into these, and for most of the game, it works great. The story's really gripping, and I think it's it's good content. It just, at the very end, it kind of rushes to a conclusion and then moves on. And it's like, all right, and we're done. And that's kind of a bummer. So I really hope that there is more, like... I would I would buy DLC for this. I, okay. I I'm enjoying it enough that I would definitely I I'd go in for for more if they decided to give more. But yeah, it's it's a bit weird. I think it's a uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me. And I just uh, I didn't expect it. Was like I didn't expect to like like Shez already, like the main original character in this oh, game. Yeah. Like I I didn't I I thought like. Because I didn't really follow the marketing as much for this game, so I thought I was like, "Oh, it's another uh, game original silent protagonist." Yeah, I was about to say, to I was about to say, remember when Fire Emblem games had like written protagonists who could talk? Uh huh. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, Shez is the, they're they're their own character. Whether you pick the male Shez or female Shez, and they have a pretty cool like characterization to them that like they're just immediately charming from the get go." Shez um, is and- the best part of like one of the best parts of the game. I think I wrote in my preview that it's like Shez is one of the only Fire Emblem protagonists that I'd want to have a beer with after work. <laughs> I really want to get around to this game for sure before the the year ends. Obviously, the the, the rest of the year is kind of uh, busy here and there with with other stuff, but hopefully, I do want to get around to Three Hopes. Uh, to you and everyone else who has played this game, like a lot of my friends, have been, have been, have been playing it. They've been really enjoying it. It's like okay. I, I don't have to feel bad like getting into this game and like having it run at like eight to nine FPS, you know, like Age of Calamity. Yeah, uh, like it it it, uh, it holds up, and you know, uh, my time in the demo was like, okay, this game seems really cool. I I one really wonder like what's the ne- what's next for Omega Force? Uh, like they've been really they've been really striking home runs lately with this and Persona Five Strikers. Um, I'd take a Striker sequel. I'd take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, Strikers I'm actually. I'm really surprised that game got no DLC. It's kind of a weird yeah. thing for an Atlas and Koei Tecmo joint. You are not wrong. I, 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 I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, you're right. It didn't really get any DLC. That's so weird. The most it got was a music pack, which, you know what? That's a pretty fair thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, but yeah, if I wanted that. Yeah, why not? But... Yeah. Well, well, okay. Like outside, like Persona and Fire Emblem, like what would you like to see Omega Force like do next? Like what, what property? Xenoblade. Xenoblade. One hundred percent. I think that like Strikers. Like if this was a couple years ago, 
in a world where we did you know before strikers and three hopes i'd say no get away from that what are you doing i don't want that it'd just be dumb collaborative dumb big fan service but now i'm like okay if they do it like this i think that can make for a really cool xenoblade game because this is like this current era of Omega Force, they're not making crossovers. They're making new installments. <laughs> like, Three Hopes is a Fire Emblem game. Fire Emblem Warriors is a big, dumb Musou game. Yeah. Respectively. Yeah. I know your time with this, uh, with this is limited, uh, Colin, but did you want to chat just a little bit about uh, AI Nirvana Initiative since we did miss you last time uh, about it? Uh, I think the game is good. <laughs> good. It is uh something that's very hard to talk about. I think three right. of us here have played it. Uh, yeah. James I'm not, and I I'm not have finished it. it. Yeah. yeah, you and you and James have finished it. I got uh, I was only at the beginning of the game last time last week. But all I all I'll say is I'm on. I think on Ryuki's route right now, and I got to a secret elevator and I went down it. That's all I can really say about the context of it. But I am enjoying that this game has like more uh, musical aspects to it than the, than the first AI. That a lot of a good number of characters already have like just busted out into song, and it's like yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. They, um, so fun fact: the uh, I don't know the exact title. It's not in front of me, but the English adaptation for the music, like the vocal music in this game, was handled by Robbie Damon. Oh, who, really? Yeah, who, if any of you guys don't know, is uh, a voice actor who was also really big into, um, I think he does, like, he, Robbie Damon's one of those, like, does everything kind of guys. No, he is the there. voice actor for uh, Prompto, Akechi, uh, Hubert Fire Emblem. He's a very talented guy, so when I was going through the credits and I saw him, <laughs> uh, like, in there, I was like, oh, oh, that's why the songs are, like, better this time and i mm-hmm. i like invincible uh, rainbow arrow but i think the new song they have in this game the main new song is it, it, it's a lot better <laughs> i i'm sorry cole and I, I i i think the new song's fine but i don't think it gets anywhere close to passing invincible rainbow arrow at least well, as james, a you know what team james i know you're a contrarian and wrong about a lot no so no no i'm not contrarian here like james, i'm, I'm james, not the only okay. one that's james we're getting, our, we're getting our fire emblem route split right now here <laughs> there are james us. james i i know everyone i know you just made up a bunch of people who supposedly think invincible rainbow arrow is better <laughs> james you don't need to prove yourself it's okay You'll you'll get your Xbox copy one day in the mail. Don't worry. Oh my god! And I'm, then you'll I'm see the ga- truth. <laughs> man, I'm being fucking gaslit here. I James, I don't think that's happening at all. Are you okay? Anyways, anyway, it's, I liked the Nirvana Initiative a lot. It's probably it, it it's hard to talk about them like comparing the two because they're two different games, even though they share a lot of DNA. Obviously, yeah, I uh, don't think. I think you could definitely like one or the other more, and from what I've seen online already, it's so contentious that people have made their stance on that very clear, but I don't think that there's really like a winner between the two. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I think I think that, that it like being divisive over like if it's like their their favorite or not, or if it's quote unquote better or not, like it's not like anyone saying this is like a terrible or bad or awful 
game. It's just like it's different and like in unexpected ways, and and so like I think that makes for more a more interesting game. And like that seeing the reception, that's the reception to this game. Oh yeah, like I've seen a lot of people say it's like much worse, but I think we've come a long way from the Zero Escape era, where a sequel will like something like this. I, the the best thing about Nirvana Initiative is that if they if they made more, they could. If they don't, I could be I could rest easy knowing that there's not a big dumb cliffhanger that could be re- like it's it's one of those things where it's like they made a satisfying game. Yeah, it's, they it's, not, it's, learned, not a, it's not a zero time dilemma. Yes, uh, and they did the same thing with I one where. They were like, okay, we don't know if we're ever going to make a sequel. Let's not even try. Let's make a, we are making a satisfying ending to the story with enough room open where we could make more. But, and I think I'm glad Uchi Koshi has learned cliffhanger endings for your, your, your game, uh, aren't always the best when you are, when you make niche games. Yeah. Not, not good. Um, but. I played this and I was like, okay, I can already tell this is going to be a contentious game. You are going to have people say it's either, uh, it's just not as good in every regard compared to the original. And then some people will like it way more because the game tries to appeal to, uh, newcomers and people who did not like the first one, like, or has like, oh, I liked this, but the gameplay sucked or something like that, where I think they are two. The, the sequel is trying to do something so different from the first that it's not a fair argument to say that it's like, oh, that one is worse and that one's better. It's just they're a different like flavor of game, and uh, I'm glad. Go for it. Like I, I think it's a better idea to make a sequel that tries to do something a lot different, even if, like James said, it has that DNA. Mm-hmm. It yeah. it is a much better idea to have two games have different goals in the same series because then in the future you could be like okay cool so it, like i i will look back on the i duology unless there's a third one which i doubt it i don't know if you guys saw but this game sold like less than 5000 copies in japan oh really to oh be to be fair though if you look at like the steam like review, user review numbers so far and you look at like this game definitely is going to sell the vast majority of its copies in oh, yeah. the West. So I don't Certainly, necessarily no. think that... They know that. Yeah, like, uh, everything with Uchikoshi's name on it is just... They, they sell in the West, and I'm sure that they are, it, it still baffles them how it does that. But they just roll with it. No, like, the I games, make no mistake, they are Japanese games. They are made for the West. Yep. <laughs> like, they are 100% made knowing that these games will sell in the west uh if it does if nirvana initiative does enough to justify a sequel i have a feeling it'll be a slow burn over time kind of success like the original i apparently was yeah because i remember because i remember years ago we were talking about how i had done um the first one and back then it was like man this game did absolutely terribly on playstation in the west and like the switch version did a bit better and like over time like you look at the uh sales for somnium files on like steam and granted most of those are going to be when it was like on fire sale it's like literally eight bucks right now yeah. uh but like number of steam reviews it's like four thousand seven hundred 
generally as a rule of thumb, you can like say 50 sales per one review. So it's like, it sold over a hundred thousand copies easily on PC. So over but time it, it did well, but yeah, it, it's definitely the kind of game that I, I am certain did all of the majority of the sales numbers were when the game was on fire sale. Like I'm, I'm because when it first came out, there was a lot less like hubbub around it. Uh, most of the people I heard, like when I asked a lot of people, uh, cause when it came out, I worked retail and I, I had a lot of regulars who would like come in and talk about like games like that with me. And I'd be like, Hey, is there a reason why like you didn't get this on launch? And it was like, it's $60. So it's, it's not worth that. And, uh, I mean, I definitely don't agree, but I get it. And one of the things that Nirvana Initiative, uh, I guess is a, a good, like, uh, something they've learned is that there's a lot less optional content in this one, and it is a longer game. So it is definitely a more bang for your buck kind of release. Like, there's a lot of, but at the same time, there's like a lot of replayability. There's a yeah. lot of, like, side modes you can do. Like, there's and a not whole, just like, that. Because, like, without going into spoilers, like, well, is it a spoiler to say that Nuchikoshi game has a twist with how the game is has actually been presented? Because well, pretty no. much every yeah, I, I don't think I don't think, I don't think it's a, that's a spoiler. But to, to yeah, obviously don't, don't say go what to, it is. Yeah, yeah, don't go yeah. yeah I'm that, not going to yes. say what it is, but basically, it's like there's definitely a lot that I want to reread. Now that I've like finished the game, and it's like, hmm, I wonder if I can see how those threads connect now that I have the full context, that sort of thing. I respect Nirvana Initiative one because I'm raising a Tamagotchi in it um, yeah. as I play it, and two, it's like bringing back that uh, era of like really weird acid trip, like almost uh, elementary Vaporwave. science class. Yeah, like videos that they showed you. So, and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I I agree. We need that back. Uh, I really I really like those weird videos that uh that they go into in that game. It's like it's kind of like I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's uh, it's fun. It's fun. I'm really I I want to get deeper into it and uh, play more. Um, uh, it's been kind of difficult because I'm on another assignment also for the for the site, but. You know, I'll get. I'll continue gradually continue going through it as I get to the other stuff, and yeah, um, it's been great. Any other like uh, like final thoughts you want to share right now, Colin, about Nirvana Initiative? Well, it's. I I definitely think it is. It, it, it's such a weird game because I've been seeing the full spectrum of opinions on it since I because I finished it. I'd say like the night before review. Uh, embargo and i was just sitting there at like three in the morning i'm like this will either be someone's favorite game of all time or they'll probably be jaded and be like oh the original is better and it's like it uh but what is interesting i guess to say is that there's a lot more discussion around it which is really nice uh there's uh, like my girlfriend pointed out to me that like when the first game came out, it was, like, dead silent. Only, like, the hyper Uchikoshi fans who weren't already burnt from Zero Time Dilemma uh, who bothered playing it were, like, talking about it. But now you'll see, like, there's so much fan art and there's so much, like, buzz around this game. Like, relatively yeah, speaking, for I, what I, it I is. I think the context of, of how, how this game released is, like, now, like, way more different than the first AI because I was definitely in that crowd where, like, I don't know if I want to give Ichikushi a chance again after Zero Time Dilemma because I, I, I co-reviewed that with, uh, with uh, 
with a alumni worker uh, at an RPG site, and like we just like we kept on talking about it pre-release. So, like we kept we kept like so we we like stared at each other like this is not a good game, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's not really. Like, I mean, like the puzzles are like interesting, but like as a follow-up to nine 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 Virtue's Last Reward, we're like mm, I don't know <laughs> some really uh, weird things about Zero Time Dilemma. What's that? I said, it's like, well, nobody seems to hate their series until they make the third one. So what well, I mean, like, but the, the, like the, 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 yeah, Zero Time Dilemma was like, it was a very hotly anticipated, like, even like in the, it's like marketing cycle. It's like, oh, they're bringing back like the cast of the first two, like Zero Escape games, like together, like they're really tying it up together. And then what we got in Zero Time Dilemma was like a catastrophe. Uh, I, 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 I will say that the further away that I get from Zero Time Dilemma, and especially now having played I one and two, I I feel like I can look back on Zero Time Dilemma and really appreciate what it is. Funniest yeah, like, game ever made. Yeah, like <laughs> that that one fucking ending with Carlos, or it's like Carlos, why <laughs> didn't you just try and stop the death game? And that one phase where he's just like, oh fuck. Oh well, yeah, it's like Carlos is just like, I just wanted to hang out with you guys. It's like, and you didn't think about doing anything about this? And he's just like, oh. It's yeah. Like, and, and, like, the further I get away from it, it's like, that was totally intentional. It wasn't, it wasn't Uchikoshi fucking up with, uh, with the story. He was just like, oh, no, I want this to be absolutely fucking hilarious because this is entirely what Carlos would have done. Uh, but I will say, I think that if they make a third eye, there is enough with I one and two in line where it's like there aren't any of the warning signs that VLR had. And let me say, I, I think VLR is my favorite of the three. But I, you can definitely see how they set themselves up for failure. Yeah. But with yeah. I, it's like, yeah, they make a third eye. I'm all in. Like it is. I c- I am convinced that they are would be able to do something really cool here. Yeah, I, because... I will... Sorry. Go ahead. I will say that I find it really, really funny how... Because of how one side character, like one random side character, became really important in Nirvana Initiative, the fact that they just introduced this one, like, random new, like, detective in uh, Nirvana Initiative, and he has nothing, but he's voiced, and he has a unique character design. It's like, you're going to be important for I3 if that ever happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just now. Yeah, right. It's a really it's a really good game. Uh I like it a lot. It'll probably crawl up there to be a goatee uh like goatee material, possibly. Right. Uh. I, I I'm I'm excited. And then right now in the in the staff chat uh, we, we see that we've convinced uh <laughs> Chow here to go to go and play uh uh I getting Somnium files. Congratulations, Chow. I'm very okay. happy for you. It's time to buy it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. It's so cheap. It's super worth it. Speaking of Chow, uh, you've been uh, playing uh, this uh, Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. They made a new Pocky and Rocky game. That's yeah. crazy. Can you imagine? So to explain to us a little bit about the history of Pocky and Rocky. These are kind of like uh, like almost like shoot 'em up games but you can like manually control like where you're going in these levels uh in a way like you you go like it's an overhead perspective you control like the shrine maiden and then like you can you can give her like power ups throughout the stages and like it, it kind of progresses almost like a shmup with how it, the it, how your it weapon is a shrub. Uh, yeah yeah so uh, talk to talk to me 
Okay, so the first game that was ever created, it's called Kiki, was it Kai Kai? So it's like Mystery Ghost World or something, that's what the literal translation is called. It's an arcade game by Taito, and basically you would just shoot, like, ghosts, and there is a sweep function to, like, get rid of projectiles. And that's basically the game. Not, not many people played the original game. Uh, then they made a sequel for the Super Nintendo, and that one's called Kiki Kai Kai and the Black Mantle, and it got renamed as Pocky and Rocky in in America. So, so our protagonist uh, Sayo Sayo is now renamed to Pocky. So, it's a it makes sense. Name. Yeah, I know, but you know, nowadays, like when they re-release yeah. a remake, you know, it's kind of jarring because they're they yeah. take place in Japan, and because the original characters got renamed, so they address her by Pocky. But now, so it's just an actual. Are... It's just like a remake of like like they just like really made things like super pretty now, like the original game, or is this actually like a sequel with like new stages? It's actually a sequel. It's okay. basically a Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, okay. Basically what happened in this game is that once you get past a certain few levels, then the story completely goes off direction, and now it has completely new levels and new everything. And you're like, yep, it's just... In terms of the... Uh, in terms of the, um, like the localization, I feel like this sometimes happens where like... It was the original titles were localized a while ago, and things were you know they were more flexible and changing names and whatnot. And but just for the sake of consistency, they just keep it that way. You see that yeah. sometimes, kind of like with like I guess I don't know if Ace Attorney also counts for that, or they just you know Phoenix Wright is not his name, but but then there's also a pun there, you know yeah. whatever. Navajo <laughs> Oh. But yeah, uh, they completely change it from there. It, it starts to diverge around stage three, because like in the original game, you go through your shrine. They always like do the shrine. I suck at these games, by the way. Just straight oh, up. Oh no, this like, game is extremely hard. To be honest, <laughs> I I was like playing this uh, reshrine. I'm like, damn it. I, I, do I suck or something? I, I'm struggling on stage one. Yeah, I, I struggled on stage one. I, I played like a like an uh, the, uh, an import copy of the, of the game before it released. Yeah, and... I struggled with that. And then I went back and replayed the Super Nintendo. I was like, man, they had like the normal difficulty even harder than the Super Nintendo version on hard. You know, it was just kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I I played it for a bit. I never got past stage one. I feel terrible. I want to play it again. It's 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 really fun, but it's just like oh my gosh, because you really have to like know where like enemy placement is going to be at a, a certain point of the stage. That's but, all that I'm really. Uh, I got in pretty good at it. I think at least I could get up to stage four without dying. So dang, what a god! But it, it is a very difficult game. Uh, what happens is like around stage three in the original game, you go to a cemetery, then you just mm. kind of fight your way to an airship, then all the way to the main castle where the bad guy lives, right? But now in the third game, you get killed around stage three, <laughs> and then you go from hell to back time travel, what? to airship, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it goes uh... all different directions. Like, it's a whole different game. I, I say this is basically a third Pocky and Rocky in disguise, and they say it's a remake. I don't know, but it's it's technically a sequel. Is that just that, that everyone's going to do now? We're going to make our own FF7 remake. We'll show these assholes. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's really interesting. That's that's wild. That's wild. I, they did a fantastic. They got a lot of like the key original staff on this game back for this game, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, they even got like the original programmer and director for this game. 
Uh, one of the things that does bug me about this game is that uh, you have to beat the game in order to unlock the free mode, which, you know, then you can play your friends. You can't play with your friends in two-player mode until you beat the game at least once. Oh, it's like Dragon's Crown. You don't, like, I, I think in Dragon's Crown you have to like, beat the, the game once to, to, to unlock uh, co-op in that game. Yeah, you had to do it at least weird. once, so that, I find that was kind of weird, weird take on it, but eh, whatever. I, I need a friend to carry me through that game. That's what I think now. <laughs> and then uh, I think you had to beat the game again to unlock one extra character. There's like five playable characters in this oh, game. Oh, I didn't know there was more than, the, the, more than one in uh, this game. So hmm. because how the story goes is uh, in story mode, you constantly switch between different characters, and they, they have different shot patterns, so... Uh, you start with Sayo or Pocky first, then it switches to Rocky. And then after you get even further, then you get to play as the, the goddess. Uh, I'm a, no. Wait, I, th- I think I missed the second one that you mentioned. Sayo, Pocky, and then who? Uh, Rocky, the, the raccoon. Okay. Oh, or Maniki in, in Japanese version. But, uh, okay. Yeah, you get to play as him. And then after that, you play as like the goddess, which is... I forgot her name again already. Uh, then after that, you get to play as this uh, rat spirit called Ikasuchi. Ikasuchi is probably the strongest character in my opinion. Uh, Ikasuchi is like when you when Pocky merge with this like kind of like a little fox sort of spirit, and now she gets to shoot like these lasers similar to the Raiden kind of laser. Do you know the? Yeah, like, yeah, like laser, the big like ass that. laser. Yeah, the... that, you get that shot pattern. I was like, that was so MOP. Uh, but yeah, you get to use uh, Ikasuchi. Uh, the next secret character you get to use is that if you beat the game again. But I haven't used that character because I haven't beaten the game again, so I can't tell you what that character plays like. Yeah, but it, 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 the, this game is very different from other like shmup like things because you like it's really up on, uh, up to you. Like the, the game doesn't like auto scroll for you. You choose like where you are on the screen and then how you progress. And then you have to be like in like certain positions on the screen to like deal with things because like you like you, you mentioned earlier you have like this uh, at least at Sayo you have like this move where she kind of like uses her broom to like uh, swipe up any projectiles coming towards her. So like you not not only do you have to have like positional and situational awareness, but also when to time like when to like switch to that like projectile sweep move to wipe out any like incoming projectiles towards you on top of managing any uh, all the other enemies on screen with whatever shot pat- pattern you have it's an incredibly tricky game yeah it's very hard but i think the gimmick of these game is that you try to save your bomb because uh, in the game is like in most shop games you get punished for using your bombs right you yeah. don't really get punished for using bombs in this game bombs can like almost like even like one shot bosses like a lot of the time the thing is that your bot, your bombs don't restock, so if you use them, they're gone. So sometimes you might want to save it for like a major fight. So uh, because you know, if you play a shut up game, the moment they use your bomb, if you're playing for score, your score is completely fucked, right? Mm-hmm. The moment yeah. that you use it. So here it's like you can try to save the bomb for the boss fight. Yeah, yeah. A- any other uh, things you want to share about Pocky and Rocky Reshrine before we move on? Uh, let's see. I forgot to mention that one of the biggest changes is that there's three different power-ups in this version. Uh, in the original version, there's still only two power-ups. Oh, okay. There is a blue and a red one. The blue is the Tailsman, and the red one is the, uh, was it, the Fire, which is more like a powerful focus shot. And the Tailsman's like a wide to hit a barrage of enemies. Uh, they added a green one, which is like Spirit. 
Uh, it, it's like a third shot pattern, so you could get like three different types of shots if you don't like what, what you used originally. So yeah, that's like one of the biggest differences in this one over the original. This but, is only out on Switch for now, right? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Uh, I mean, they ported like the other games to PC before, wasn't it? Like the Wild Guns Reloaded and. Uh, yeah, it, I think so. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, this go, goes to, to, to other platforms because I think it's a really good game. But it's uh, I, th- I think I, I find it personally difficult uh, like to to control with the uh, with the Switch. Like I don't know. But yeah, we, or maybe it's just uh, we're just being old now. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I just I just tried to try to justify me, me being really bad at the game. It, it took me like I don't know. I think I like restart the first level like ten times before I finally beat it without like getting scratched. I was like, yeah. I don't remember the first level being this hard. You know, in the shut up games, the first level is like pathetically easy. Then it gets insanely hard. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Does make me feel old for sure. Don't have the reaction time anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it is here. I, I, I do recommend it. Uh, it's it's a good three hour fun. I mean, uh, considered a lot of remakes from from old games that catch that nostalgia kind of stuff. All right, cool. So that wraps up what we've been playing for now. And then, like I mentioned earlier, up on the on the site, you have James's uh, Sunbreak review and some uh, some guides that he wrote, some guides that I wrote, some guides that we wrote on together, and maybe uh, more might come up uh, depending on how it goes. Uh, Cullen has also written, uh, along with Kite, has written some guides for Fire Emblem Three Hopes and a post game guide for uh, AI: The Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. So and yeah. I, I will add on to that the eye thing. That is a very uh, in-depth guide. Even if you think you've seen all the post-game content, it's worth giving it a read anyway. Because I include some stuff uh, hidden away that uh, reflects on secrets of the ARG and how to get to it. Uh, so it's very, very in-depth. Uh, and I have we by the time this goes up, there, yeah, there will be two more very useful. Uh, th- uh, three hopes guides going up, one of which took many years off my life to make. Thank you so much. Uh, guide writing is uh, it's incredibly challenging. Uh, like you know, I've uh, all of us on here have done it. Uh, you know, and obviously, uh, me and uh, Adam are in the middle of guide writing something else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's gonna be uh, a mountain. Uh, Chow, you are a seasoned veteran of guide of oh complete guide walkthrough guide walkthroughs. I have a Falcom Discord. I have someone that is still bashing about me not updating my fishing list. Old steel core. Just tell them to make their own guide. True. So like, yeah, you can edit it, you know, it's a wiki, you know, you, you can update it if you find it. <laughs> All right, uh, on to the news. Uh, this week, uh, good thing Nintendo... nothing happened this week. Yeah, good yeah. thing nothing happened this week, obviously, yeah, <laughs> surely. Uh, no, <laughs> Nintendo brought the heat this week. It's like, you know, not E3 has passed us, so therefore Nintendo's like, we're bringing our own E3 to the table. They uh, announced a Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase... I think like the day before it aired, and we're like, okay, sure, I guess let's see what's going to go on. And dear God, uh, there was a lot of news relevant for us uh, in this Nintendo Direct Mini. It was like a live live streaming; it's just like a, like a video on demand thing. All everything was up all at once, so there was a lot to get through. Uh, the main headliner, of course, for a lot of people in this 
Direct Mini that uh, showcased third-party uh, games coming to the Switch. Uh, just like uh, what Atlas did with uh, the delayed announcement of Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 Royal coming to Steam and um, pl- PlayStation platforms, they delayed that announcement after the initial announcement from the Xbox Showcase. Uh, they announced that they, they these three are coming to the Nintendo Switch. Um, and the Persona 5 Royal is going to be the first one coming out, released simultaneously with the rest of the versions in late October. Uh, Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden uh, are not dated yet, but they will be coming to all of those platforms in the future. So yes, we now live in a world where all three of like Persona 3, Persona 4, and Persona 5 are now going to be wildly available everywhere on every platform. Um, that's nuts. <laughs> that's we live in this timeline now. Well, time, I guess it's we. It's been a while since we've had like you don't see third party exclusive games that often anymore because like a lot of japanese games come to pc um and then you know most games are multi-platform with the exception of like nintendo games but even uh even like xbox and playstation games are starting to come to pc now atlas was kind of like the lone holdout of like their games were sometimes just exclusive to a platform playstation and that's it but now it's like you know let's just say two years from now these modern Persona games, you can basically just buy them anywhere on any modern platform. That's kind of nuts. So, As someone who both prefers portable gaming and doesn't have an OLED TV, oh, I cannot wait to replay Royal specifically on my Switch. Yeah, I really wonder. Like, uh, I, I'm very curious to see like how like Royal holds up on the Switch. I, I'm excited uh, to hear back from you when that releases. Uh, so... If you're like me, and uh, maybe a bit deranged, uh, I've gone through and combed that trailer, and I think there are actually, uh, like, because the trailer is, like, identical in uh, content to the other Xbox uh, trailer that dropped, but every couple, like, when they show off, like, UI, I think that's all running in-engine on Switch, and it's looking like it holds up really well. I'm just fingers crossed because the Catherine full body port on Switch is kind of really good. It's basically the best version to play of that game. Uh, Mainly because it has all of the extra content and for free and also additional content on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Reminder to people that like full body doesn't even have a PC release. Only the original Catherine (laughs) base game is only on PC. So at the moment, it is like, hey, if you want to play full body, uh, play it on Switch. It holds up really well. Like, the frame rate is solid. Uh, the resolution is great. Uh, Persona 5 is definitely a more demanding game than full body. I-, I know people are like, I've heard people say, oh, it's a PS3 game. It's going to run perfectly. It's like, that's not how game porting works. Also, it makes sense that full body would run well on Switch because it also was a Vita game. So, you would hope so. Yeah. But... Uh, they're, but like they're definitely like there's higher quality assets than the, the Vita version got most likely so, but a- anyway, it's full body running well on Switch was my first idea. It's like okay, Royal could probably work on Switch. I did not know it would take us two years to get to this point, but you know whatever. Uh, I, I am for I am for sure replaying that entire damn game. Uh, I reviewed. 
uh, Royal for us. Gave it a 10. Don't regret it. Love that game to death. That game's vibes are immaculate. And getting to play that on this, like having that available on the Switch, like I'll probably give it a shot on Steam Deck as well, but I most likely will be playing that on Switch purely for the lighter console and just the OLED screen. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm, I'm very I, curious. I'm very curious to see like just how much more sales the Persona series is gonna have. Like now that it's available to a lot more platforms, to a lot more people, like how much further they can go now. I I will say though, I don't not to like kind of go on a, a tangent, but I think this is a bit relevant. Atlas has this kind of trend to make the con like the main console version and then wait a year or two and then make the Switch port. I'm curious if releasing it, like, day one on Switch would lead to better sales overall. Because I remember when 13 Sentinels dropped on Switch, I I saw, like, Japanese sales numbers. And they were just okay. Mm -hmm. Like, after, like, uh, it released only on PlayStation on launch. And the only other console that game has come out on was Switch. And I, I just have to wonder if it would just be better overall for sales if there was that Switch version on launch. So it's Persona. The chance of this selling well is great, but I just I, I think it it's just smarter like from like going further to just like hey maybe don't if possible like if you guys can don't have such a huge gap because between and it's like, kind of weird like the, like like some like Japanese developers have like that production pipeline of like just having it on this platform first and then other platforms later like Falcom is the same way where they you know obviously the their new releases are always on like PlayStation platforms first and then they worry about other platforms way later and they've had a a sales decrease for a lot of their games after no longer having the Vita so yeah. it, it kind of shows it's like hey guys like you should probably May like I I need to make this clear. I'm not like the Switch port beggar guy. I have the console. If I want to play the game, I'll play it somewhere else. Like, but Soul Hackers Two is one of these things where I don't need that game to come out on Switch. But I can only wonder if that game is going to end up selling better if it did get a Switch port. Like me, that game looks great. I don't care how well it sells. I'm going to play that on my Steam Deck if I want to play that portably. But there's a lot of people who are like, hey, why isn't this game coming to Switch? And I wonder if like a three-year delayed Switch port for Soul Hackers 2, if that would be enough to like enough of a boost on sales or if people are just not going to be interested by then. Just an idea. See? This is yeah. kind of um, semi-related, but like Bandai Namco has released several switch ports like way later um i think let's see uh nino kuni 2 dragon ball z dot hack dot hack and now they just announced this the sword art online game and like i guess these must be successful enough not barn burners but like to like take a game that's two or three years old and say hey let's just put it on switch and it's worth it i suppose so else they wouldn't do it oh yeah, yeah. like i'm sure like these make their money back but if I remember correctly, when uh, Strikers came out, that that's one where Atlas was like, okay, Switch and uh, PS4 on launch. I think the Switch version vastly outsold the PS4 version in Japan. I don't have numbers. I'm sorry. Citation. I'm, perhaps I made it up. Who knows? But uh, like, I remember that like the, the Switch version sold better. 
like noticeably better. So who knows? Uh, but I'm really excited to play Royal at all on Switch. I've been waiting for years. I put so many hours in that game, and I'll do it all over again because I adore that game. And if it runs well on Switch, I will be just so pleased. I don't know why people think it would struggle to run on Switch. I mean, it, I mean, they have Persona Five that was released on PS3. Remember that Royal, uh, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the the one that utilizes the PS4. Yeah, um, they they redesigned the a lot with Royal. All the model, like the models, are nicer. It's not just the PS3 models slapped in on a higher resolution. Like yeah, the models are nicer, the effects are nicer. It's a the, very different backend. Yeah, base Persona Five to Royal. They've redesigned the whole thing to utilize the extra power on the PS4. So while I think uh, there's a chance that it could just, hey, uh, all of this like very tame stuff that the game does, this will run fine. But anytime the game gets a bit more demanding, then it might drop significantly. If we, if I can just have something really close to a like 30 FPS, I'll, I'll. I'll be I'll be satisfied. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. I think yeah. the reporting team knows what they're doing for uh, with that. So we'll see. Uh, I, we'll see. I I do wish, and this will be very short. Uh-huh. And it also is talking about near Automata, which also got an announcement. What I think every one of these ports should do, like when they announce these ports, is I think within the hour of near Automata uh, getting announced, the Twitter account put out the resolutions it targeted and the target frame rate. Where it's like, hey, if you're playing this docked, it'll aim for 1080p. If you're playing it undocked, it'll aim for 720p. It is targeting 30 FPS. That needs to be the standard. Like, you can't have people be like, like you know, wondering these things. It's really, it is a very uh, good show of um, uh, uh, visibility. I don't know. It, it's, it, it is nice to have the confidence to say, hey... Customers, I know you're worried that Automata might be jank on Switch. This is exactly what you can look forward to. And I wish we had that for <laughs> Royal, I guess. I hope they talk about that soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Nier Automata is coming to the Nintendo Switch on October 6th. So once again, another October release here. Um, this will have all the uh, content, uh, including the, the Colosseum DLC, the cosmetic DLC that's uh, released for uh, Automata, um, you know, as the game came out. Um, it also have new Switch exclusive costumes, which will have pod skins based on the near reincarnation mobile game. So you'll have like the pod, the little mechanic pods, like dress up like Mama from that game uh, in there. So. The, the, along with this uh, port announcement, uh, Square Enix uh, on the official website for Automata um, have, has a sales update. Is now sold uh, over six and a half million unit units for that game. So it continues to do well as it continues to inch closer and closer to the to the ten million line. Um, we'll see if it ever gets there. Uh, you know, sales sales have obviously slowed down because it's released in twenty seventeen, but it's still. Uh, a gigantic colossal success it's just kind of funny uh, to think about like imagine it's like 2012 you know final fantasy remake doesn't exist near came out and it's kind of like a cult classic but not you know didn't sell anything and you tell someone uh in five years they're going to make a sequel to near and it's going to outsell 
the Final Fantasy VII remake that everyone has been clamoring for since Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. So. That's... And if this port's good, that number could jump up even more. So yeah, and to, to, to mention, this is a native Switch port. This is not cloud streaming like Kingdom Hearts. This is no streaming. This is actual a native port to that. It's weird now that we have to specify that too because Square Enix. Yeah, it's it well. <laughs> so weird that like. If this game runs well, it's like, yeah, there's even less of an excuse. Those Kingdom Hearts games should mostly have not have been cloud. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but I, I hope this sells well, if only so that we can we can get Replicant on Switch. I think that'd be cool. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd have to imagine like that's in the pipeline, and if this does well... Um... That'd, that'd be great. I'd love to see that. I think yeah, for I a moment during after or after this the Nintendo Direct, Kingdom Hearts was trending for a bit, which I thought was kind of funny because <laughs> <laughs> of all the people just saying like poking fun at it because it of the native port for Automata. So, did they announce uh, the the porting studio for this or not? Uh, they didn't share those details. I don't think so. Okay, interesting. But, but yeah, uh, I'll definitely. I haven't played Automata in years. I'll give it a replay. Or sure. these new costumes look cute. Uh, and yeah, uh, I, I think Automata is not really like Automata is an action game. I do not play Automata for the combat, so I don't mind a thirty FPS drop. Yeah, and then, and then there's already like systems in the game to like to handle the combat for you if you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> so it works out. It works out. So after that, uh, along this Nintendo Direct Mini, we have a release date at long last for Dragon Quest Treasures and a platform. Dragon Quest Treasures is coming exclusively to the Nintendo Switch on December 9th. And... This whole Direct was uh, Cullen Wins, the Direct. <laughs> I, I, I felt that way too. Uh, like there's just like so many announcements. That I, that I am really excited for Dragon Quest Treasures, even though this game, could, this game could just like suck. But... Because, yeah, this was the, uh, for those of you who don't know, this was the Monsters uh, spinoff they've been working on for years that was supposed to have uh, Eric and his sister, and then they kind of made it its own thing. But watching the trailer, you can still see the Monsters DNA. Yeah. Like, it's there. You literally team up with them, and you can, like, do really cool things, like glide on a Drackey from, from ledge to ledge uh, and things like that. Um, you know one thing that's kind of interesting about this release? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Not counting re-releases, I believe this is the first Dragon Quest game that is getting um, a global simultaneous launch. Yeah, um, for, yeah, not counting mobile games. Yeah, or not yeah, counting which, like the I think absolutely. the Switch version of Dragon Quest Eleven might have been global, but I'm not counting re-releases. So yeah, exactly. Um, no, you're right. This is because Heroes uh, was delayed. Builders Two was delayed. Um, you know, it seems like. In the last two years or so, uh, you know, games like Yakuza or Shimagami Tensei or whatever, like and now Dragon Quest, like these big RPG RPG series, getting a global simultaneous release. Here's Dragon Quest. It's like first entry technically. Every Square Enix has pretty much gone entirely to uh, simul ship. Sega seems to be doing the same now. Nintendo has for a couple years. It's really nice to see the industry pushed in this direction. And it's like, I, I knew that things were good when Centennial Case, of all games, got a worldwide release. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was bizarre. I was it, so happy. Really, the the lone holdout at this point, I think, is Falcom, and I don't think that'll change unless Falcom like decides to make like a Falcom West or something. Um, yeah, because and yeah, Falcom, Falcom is just a it's a lost cause because they can't even get their games out in Japan fully finished. It took <laughs> yeah. them a month to finish Kuro. They'd have to change their pipeline up significantly, and uh, they seem a bit too stubborn to do that. So. I, I, yeah, it's it's yeah. Falcom is a really uh, between a rock and a hard place because I I, I don't know exactly how, how how they're able to like if they can even build up the staff to do that. If it's even like viable financially to do that, to to try and like pivot in that direction right now because because like they they're like by like just on its face like the type of games that like they uh, release is like still relatively niche, you know? Yeah. No, I, I've been saying for a while that it's like I think if. Falcom could get another big hit. They definitely maybe have the sway to start pushing for this. But as long they as they, they keep... get in your Automata, pretty much. Yeah, but like as long as they keep making sequels to the same two series and in like increasing that like the baggage of like what you need to get into these, I don't think that's happening. But yeah, go Square Enix. Every yeah. single game they announced for like this uh this direct and everything they've announced in the last year are all worldwide releases. They're they're very smart for doing this. Yeah, Dragon Quest Treasures looks so good. So yeah, like we mentioned, they showed like the first gameplay in action of this uh both on the like a little bit on the English direct and then they go to deeper dive in the Japanese uh version of the Nintendo Direct Mini uh for this game. It's shaping up. It's shaping up. I, I really want this to be uh really good. Yeah, it'd be really nice to like cap the year off with a really nice, comfy Dragon Quest game. Like, it excites me a whole mm-hmm. bunch that it's like, because I don't think December is going to be too crazy. So it's like, okay, cool, December. Yep, get to play some Dragon Quest all it'll month. It'll be, oh, it'll be a wait. good game to play, like you know, over the holidays, uh, <laughs> if you're traveling on the Switch or whatever. Anyways, Eric and Mio are my children, and I will let no harm come to them. <laughs> Or Mia, sorry. <laughs> I forgot yeah. my daughter's name. Uh, this, oh, I'm... I uh, One thing, though, I was like, I'm curious. Hey, where's that Dragon Quest Three HD 2D remake? Yeah, I mean, that was announced... So the, both these um, games were announced last year at the Dragon Quest anniversary, so it's been more than a year now, and that we still don't have a date or a platform other than it's that okay. Initial... That, that that can wait till next year. There's enough Square Enix stuff. Oh that yeah, we have to get to this year that they're like just like fi- they're firing off so many games this year. Oh <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. it's just it's really funny because if you remember that Dragon Quest anniversary thing, you look at all the games they showed off. You would assume that Dragon Quest Three HD 2D was the most finished, and yet the only release date we have is for Treasures, yep. which had like a CG trailer. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I, I'm convinced that that Dragon Quest Three remake is going to be great. Uh, the HD 2D works are getting better and better, so I have faith. I'm very um, excited for that. Uh, like. I, I think it's one of those like top titles that like they they really cannot afford to screw up because there's so much. People have so many fond memories of Dragon Quest Three that I think oh you yeah know, they're, they're they're they they have to knock it out of the park and I think they will I think they will they have so, they have a really really great you know and it is it. it is nice that the Dragon Quest game we are getting this year is a just a new game 
yeah, it's a new game. It's a spinoff. It's it's like it's it's all it's like it's not like a it's not crazy big or crazy like a big mainline, but it's like something that's different and something that like we haven't seen in a while. We haven't seen a, a new monsters spinoff entry in a while. So yeah, let's let's go. Stoked. Let's go. Uh, coming up, let's see. We have uh, a sequel to Doraemon Story of Seasons with Doraemon Story of Seasons: Friends of the Great Kingdom coming to Nintendo Switch, PS5, and PC in 2022. They recently just announced uh, on the, their Anime Expo uh, panel that it, there will be a demo for this as well. So you know, go go visit Doraemon and Nobito of uh, the uh, with their farming adventures. You know, Doraemon has his secret gadgets to help out with the farming. You can play this with a uh, local co-op, so up to two players can enjoy uh, farming together. And then, so that's uh, kind of like uh, just a few details they've. Uh, Shown off for this, no specific release date yet uh, outside of uh, this year. Um, they're also uh, part of the Nintendo Direct Mini uh, was uh, that RBG Time, The Legend of Right, is coming to new platforms uh, this August. Initially, it was uh, announced of only for uh, Switch, but then it is, it's also coming to uh, PlayStation 4 and Steam, uh, the Nintendo Switch and PS4 version of this game. Will be coming out on August 18th, and the Steam release will be coming out on September 13th. This was a, this initially came out back in March on March 10th for Xbox and Wind, uh, Windows platforms like Windows Store only. So yeah, no, nothing else outside of them. Like this is one of those games that like I I'm very interested in trying out, but uh, obviously I don't want to deal with Windows Store and I don't have an Xbox uh, with me. I'm really curious to see how it did or like if anyone played it because. Like after this game came out, I heard nothing about it, so I'm really interested to see how it shaped up uh, in its initial release. But you know, I, I, it, I, I'm fine with waiting uh, for it to come to uh, other stuff that I have. It, this is this is the that game that has been featured uh, indie game that has been uh, featured uh, like in last year's like indie like game events. Like it's kind of like a drawing sketch look to it, and it's very very much uh, inspired by Dragon Quest. Um, so, you know, I, I, I want to give this game a shot, um, whenever I have time for it. This is about de- developed by Deskworks and published by Aniplex. Um, we also got a shadow drop out of nowhere for the Nintendo Direct Mini. Um, we have, uh, Little Noah, Scion of Paradise, uh, out of nowhere from, uh, Psy Games, and that's already out. It came out on the, on the day of the, of the Direct on June 28th, and so... Uh, this is one of the, uh, another game I want to get to. Um, too busy to get to, but uh, I, I was thinking of picking it up. Um, this one is an interesting one uh, because this is a, a game, wasn't it? yeah, this is a successor to uh, uh, Little Noah, uh, a game that initially came out uh, for smartphones. Uh, it was released in February 2015 in Japan and ended service in January 2019. It also got released in the West uh, under the name of Battle Champs on March 2016, but that version. Uh, was shut down as well, and this is uh, totally different from that original game because the original game was like sort of like a Clash of Clans clone. While meanwhile, this one, uh, Scion of Paradise, is like uh, a 2D side scroller action RPG, and it sort of has like a Pinkman uh, mechanic where you can have like these little things called uh, Lilyputs following you around, and depending on their formation, it'll switch up like your combo attacks uh, in it. So. I haven't like gotten my hands uh, to actually play it myself, but I really want to. to see, people seem to have a 
positive first impressions of this game. They, they, you know what they this means, like though? It. What's up? When Dragalia Lost dies, we could get a Dragalia console game. Uh, we'll see, maybe. Uh, the Little Nova Sign of Paradise is uh, now out for Nintendo Switch. It was, it's also out for PlayStation 4 and PC through Steam. So if you're interested, it's already out. I think it, I think it's going for around $15 USD. And then, uh, because it's side games, uh, they're also uh, adding crossover DLC in the coming months for it, in August and September. Uh, in August, it'll get crossover DLC with Princess Connect Redive, so you can uh, dress up the main character as Pekorin from that game, along with like her weapon. Um, in uh, September, it'll be crossing over with uh, Uma Musume Pretty Derby. Uh, that's one of the most popular mobile games out that they recently released over the past year. Um, and then you can dress up uh, the main character in Little Noah as a special week from that game, and you can turn her sword into a carrot. So that's fun. There's like, I think, three bucks. Uh, if you want to check those out. That was a fun little shadow drop uh, out of nowhere for uh, the Nintendo Direct. Uh, one of the bigger announcements uh, from this Nintendo Direct is that Capcom's doing it. They are making a Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, uh, not only for Switch, but also for PlayStation 4 and PC. And this will have all 10 of the Battle Network games on it. Uh, that's not including Battle Network, Network 2, Network 3 White, Network 3 Blue. And just for reference, the Battle Network games were released uh, sort of like Pokemon games, where there are like two different versions out for some of the entries in it. So like Network 3 had white, the white and blue ver- version, Network 4 had the red sun and blue moon version, Network 5 had Team Proto Man and Team Colonel, and Network 6 had Cybeast Gregar and Cybeast Falzar. Uh, on those, so I'm making a total of 10 Battle Network games, all included in the same collection. Um, it'll have, you know, uh, along with them, you'll have some extras like uh, uh, access to a screenshot, a gallery of over 1,000 screenshots in it, a music player with 188 songs in it, and they'll, you'll have the part of the trailer is like you can flip on the HD filter if you don't like pixels or not. I don't like the smeared look of HD filters, so yeah, hit me up with that all that pixel goodness. But yeah, that is coming sometime in 2023. Um, that's awesome. That's amazing. Battle the Battle Network games are really, really fun. I know some and people are well. wondering if they're going to adjust the localization. I guess specifically of two, because mm. uh, I guess it gets like not necessarily like innuendo, but it just gets it's just kind of very, very silly and out there and uh, wacky and honestly probably not very faithful, but. To the Japanese, but they just kind of had fun with it, I suppose. I've seen a lot of people posting like Battle Network has some great dialogue and just the wackiest shit. What which game is it? The one where you said he was gonna drink H two O two? Yeah, there's like it's the sequel to Water. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> I don't I guess, know which one. Yeah, which one that is specifically? There's a lot of these the, games. And they they use the they also use the verb jack a lot, which you can of course have a lot of fun with. Like we're gonna jack, jack to the car. We're gonna jack everywhere. Like, okay, yep. So that's just that was the era. <laughs> but you know, the, the uh, for people who don't know these games, these, uh, these games uh, take place on a battles take place on a six by three grid with like half of it on the player side, half of it on the enemy side. You can like uh, deal battles to like through cards that you power up and abilities that you power up in battle. Um, games like like One Step to Eden are very much inspired by the Battle Network uh, series. So it's good to see that 
these games are going to be like available again uh, easily. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm very much looking forward to this collection. Um, we also got a release date for uh, Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope uh, coming to Nintendo Switch on October 20th is the follow-up to the Mario plus Rabbit's game uh, a few years back. This is kind of the kind of like the XCOM light like ish game. Um, so they showed off uh, more gameplay of that and showed that B- uh, Bowser will be joining Mario uh, this time in this uh, sequel. So that was that. That's good. Um, they also out of nowhere, uh, Square Enix, uh, it re- Square Enix refuses to rest. Yeah, they uh, they announced a brand new uh, RPG. Uh, life simulation RPG called Harvest Stella, and that is coming to the uh, on November fourth for Nintendo Switch and PC. Uh, this is very much like a Rune Factory like. Yeah. Um, so players uh, create their character. They can go farm, talk to people, go fish in this village. And there's actually the main... seems to be a pretty competent action battle system in this game too yeah yeah they can go like explore dungeons and like have like a party member with them there's like a job system for battles they can become a fighter a mage or a shadow walker that is a crazy like the job class selection they have in this game for that i'm actually um, more hyped about this game than Rune factory 5 and there's people in the comment sections that are upset it's like hey they're just still Rune factory 5's ideas but hey, you know what? If you can make a better Rune Factory, go for it. Sure, why not? If you can make a Rune Factory that's sad, I'm all in. Uh, yeah, I'm more, ex- I'm more excited for this than Rune Factory 5. Like, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll pick up Rune Factory 5 on Steam. Then I see this, and it's like, I'm way more interested in this. Yeah, this one, the, this game just it's really cool. So the main like thing that differentiates it from like you know Rune Factory and other uh, sorts of games like this is in between seasons, there's a season of death. So in between autumn... To winter, to spring, to summer. In between these seasons, there's a there's a season called the the season of quietus. It's a season of death where the crops wither and people have to like stay indoors because there's like a dust of death that's emanating from like this crystal, uh, and the, these crystals like like oversee and govern the seasons. So like that's the main mystery there. And like it, like from screenshots of the trailers, like it's a very it becomes it's very colorful at first, and then during this like this mid season of quietus, um, like it becomes very gray, very dark and dull looking, and like who knows what's going on there. So there's kind of like that. That's the main mystery uh, behind this game. Uh, obviously, uh, as you're just playing normally, you can go craft things, you can go cook things, make consumables for you, and live life, do quests. Uh, and you also get like a submarine to, to uh, tra- navigate the overworld. So this game has really come out swinging and uh, taking the eyes for a lot of people who are like thinking, maybe I should get into Rune Factory like me. And then now I'm just like, maybe I should go wait for this game. This game this seems really cool. So not to say that Rune Factory 5 is bad, but this one just like, this doesn't have like the sequel number on it. And like is something just out of, you know, fresh and I'm new. I'm curious who is developing this. That's kind mm-hmm. of a game you have to play with these like Square Enix announcements that aren't like their big, big, you know, headliner games because they, 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 you know, they, they outsource a lot of their game development to other studios for a lot of different things, um, you know, Platinum Games or Acquire or, who, or what have you. And like, who is making Harvestella? Like the Steam page says Square Enix, but that's not always like accurate because, you know, they're producing it and they have like some developers on it, but... I'm kind of curious. Just is it in house? Is it like fully in house, or will we kind of figure out, you know, 
who's on it. Yeah, uh, I wonder what the credits look like for this game. Like the, when the credits roll happens, like who you know? Well, that, I know some people are wondering: is like, is it Tokyo RPG Factory? And like, it looks way more polished than any of their games. But there's like an that like the world map kind of overview kind of view of it. it sort of looks like you know some of those games, but I don't know. I'm just it's more just curiosity. I'm not trying to like. Yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to like poo-poo on its quality. I'm just curious because Square Enix usually like a lot of Square Enix games aren't actually made by Square Enix, so always just wondering. Yeah, the the only staff that we got for it was that Asamu Kamikuro from Final Fantasy XII is in charge of its concept art, looking mm-hmm. really really nice, and that Goshina from the Tales of series is in charge of its music. Mm-hmm. So should be ready. Yeah, I think this one might be like a last minute sleeper uh, in for like one of the coolest games this year. It, we'll it just seems yeah. so yeah and of course like yeah. yeah like definitely cautious optimism it but like hey new ip it's got some really cool influences in, the, in there i'm like i was yeah. not expecting something this cool and new from square enix because a lot of square enix's games this year are there there's a lot of neat ones but it's a lot of like okay it's a sequel revival like this it's in the series it's a lot of that and this just came out of nowhere, and it's coming out this year in a couple months, and it's looking really neat. So yeah, the character designs look really, really good. And actually, uh, the last week's podcast, I actually kind of mentioned, um, I kind of wish that there was like this Crystal Chronicles series was like still around. And I, I had this thought, and I thought other people have this thought too. Like people said that this game kind of gives them Crystal Chronicles vibes. Um, in terms of its style um, and art, I guess. You know, it's not exactly the same, but, like, I kind of agree. It's a little bit more... Um, I don't know what's the word to use here. It's not, like, necessarily lighthearted. It's not, like, epic. But, you know, it just kind of gives me that same sort of feeling. So, I just thought it's like, that was it's kind like, of... Yeah, it's, it's like reasonably saw, like, more, more like, small scope, community scoped, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. Thanks, Square Enix. This was a really cool announcement. Um, they also shared a little bit more footage of Live Alive, the remake of Live Alive and the Nintendo Direct, and the big news out of that is there's a demo now available and people could go play like the initial chapters for some of the the characters in it, like the, the Ninja chapter with the Edo Japan, and I forgot the others already. Um, but yeah, people who want, want to check out Live Alive before its release can go uh, pick up the demo for free uh, on the Nintendo eShop and then there's it'll support save data transfer uh, as well, so go check it out. Uh, that's coming up very soon uh, at the end of this month. We're already in July once again. Um, so after that, uh, I think that that covers like the the majority or pretty much everything that's relevant to us in the English Nintendo Direct. Over in the Japanese Nintendo Direct, uh, they showed off and, and debuted uh, a new game from Bandai Namco called Ultra Kaiju Monster Rancher. A new Monster Rancher. It is coming exclusively to the Nintendo Switch. And we did get confirmation that it is getting an English release in the West just uh, very recently from the Bandai Namco uh, panel at Anime Expo. So yes, this will be getting a uh, uh, Western release sometime in 2022. Um, This is a really, really cool uh, concept for a new Monster Rancher game because it's it's not the Monster Rancher that people are familiar with. Like, um, you know, with the wolf and the little mochi uh, creature. This is a crossover with Ultraman Kaiju. So in this game, you are raising, like, the villains, the literally the monsters of the week that the Ultraman series has gotten over the last 
several decades. And so it's just like they mentioned already that this game will have like over 200 types of kaiju in it. Um, and, you, you know, you can raise them up, try and battle them out against other kaiju. Um, and it, you can have like, you can like fuse the kaiju in this to make new kaiju. It's really, really cool. It is such a cool concept for the game, and I hope it does very well. It looks so goofy and aloof and very aware of itself. Um, because, you know, Ultravan Kaiju are not, like, super serious, like, designs, and, like, they're very goofy um, looking. So, I'm excited for this. Um, you, I guess it, you can interface with the uh, Nintendo's NFC uh, technology to, uh, like, create new partner Kaiju uh, in this game. And uh, I, I'm not too, uh, not too sure exactly how that uh, works in the game. But, you know, I'm... I, did, I wasn't expecting it, but I guess I could be playing a new Monster Rancher game uh, this year uh, out of nowhere. Uh, even, though it's, even though it's a spinoff, it's they, still... When they released the uh, remaster last year, um, there were several interviews that they did with Western outlets talking about, like, can will there be a new Monster Rancher game? And, you know, like, it has its followers, but, it you know, when, especially when you compare it to, like, Digimon or Pokemon or any monster game, it, it wasn't... You know, it's like it's not it's not it's not a not one of the more popular ones. Yeah. But they were they showed interest. I forget the producer's name, but in making new ones, so this one must have been like at least in concept at that point. Um, so it's just kind of interesting that this is the route they took to like let's combine it with kaiju, which is you know I think smart. Uh, kind of gives it its own little flavor. That yeah. Uh, I mean, how many? I know there are a couple of kaiju games, but. You know, it's 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 set it to depart a little bit from just like the more typical monster raising game, which you see plenty of indie entries for. So I think you know, it's if you're into that kaiju, uh, whatever you want to yeah, call it, genre. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Ultraman really fans across the world were like, the, yeah. like when I like when I first like mentioned this on social media, like I got an explosive response from yeah. just people around the world, just like just people who are excited and seeing like. Just, uh, just a really like fresh new concept, really, and that's that's exciting. I'm like I'm not even like big into like Ultraman, but like I'm like excited enough. To, like, yeah, I want to play this game, uh, and like and just uh, hearing all this, all the support for it. I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go, let's go. So right now, like I said, uh, it is only for the Switch, but you know it could come to other platforms later. Like the Monster Rancher One and Two DX uh, released eventually came, made its way to to Steam. So we'll see if this comes to uh, other platforms, you know, in the in the future. But for now, only for the Switch, and very much looking forward to it. Um, Square Enix, uh, once again, the, the the news about Square Enix this week uh, never stops. We finally got uh, news on Star Ocean, the Divine Force. And that'll be coming out on October 27th, uh, glo- globally simultaneously for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox platforms, uh, and PC. Uh and they just went all out with just uh, new info. New characters were introduced, like Nina the Forge and uh, Midas Felgreed. Uh, they also uh, like gave these a name Star to Ocean them. names. Very star- I, yeah. I, can't, I can't describe what makes a Star Ocean name, but when you see it, they're like, "Yep, that's a Star Ocean name." They they we got you know footage of uh, the opening cutscene of like when players select Raymond as their protagonist because rem- reminder this has the dual protagonist system, kind of like Star Ocean Two. Um, we can pick between um, uh, Raymond and Leticia, so we got to see the opening cutscene for Raymond, and and just 
a whole bunch of new gameplay footage with its battle system, exploration. Uh, Adam, what do you want to point out first about this game? <laughs> it's another zone-based game. I mean, most oceans are that now, but um, the it seems like the biggest thing, the biggest new thing that this game is doing compared to other Star Oceans is really focusing on the exploration. Um, they they showed, this was one of the very first things they showed even in the announcement trailer was, you know, you can like fly around maps and I think even the main character has like jet boots or gravity boots or something like that. And so like there seems to be quite a bit of focus on, you know, big open zones, kind of go in any direction sort of thing. Um, the other games had zones, but they were a bit more simple, really kind of just like a... Uh, a medium-sized field with three different exits or whatever. Um, you know, uh, they're going back to what looks like a four-person battle party, so it's not going to be doing the, uh, like, the seven-person party that Vibe tried where you had all, everyone all out at once, which I actually saw some people upset about that, but I don't know, whatever. Uh, as long as as long as long reserved party members get experience, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, mix and matching. Uh, it looks like it's a little bit higher budget. Uh, the... Star Ocean 5 was kind of notoriously felt really cheap, which isn't the worst thing really, but it just, it, it was, you kind of had to accept it that it was very um, basic. There were no, Star Ocean 5, I mentioned when I played it earlier this year, doesn't really have cutscenes. This game seems to have cutscenes. Um, anyway, yeah, the Star Ocean that did that thing where like everything was like rendered in like in game engine, even yep. like character interactions. It, it kind of felt like almost like a Western game where. Um, and obviously some Western games have cutscenes, but like the type of game where you just literally walk up your character model to like a room and then like all the characters in the room will start having dialogue, but it's, there's no cutscene. You just like, literally your characters are just standing in the room and during gameplay and the dialogue is happening as you are standing there. And that was most of the game. So this, it seems like there are cutscenes again, um, which I know most ARPG fans prefer that. And I, I, I'll take it as well. That should be a feature list for this game. Uh, one of the bullet points is like cutscenes have returned. Yeah, um, I I literally put up an article earlier this year about what I want to see from this game. Some of that stuff will have to wait until the game comes out. Like how do private actions work? I assume they're going to return in some form because they're a staple to the series. They didn't really mention that at all, did they? Uh, I don't think so. No, not really. But there's a leaked trophy list already out oh, for this game. Yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't looked at the trophy list. I'm sure there's going to be things like beat the Ethereal Queen the third time on on the universe difficulty or whatever the highest difficulty is. Because uh, that's that's one of the things I asked for in my article is you've got to have post-game nonsense um, yes. in these games where you have the, uh, the Ethereal mm-hmm. Queen and Gabriel Celeste and all these super bosses in these, in these stupid, tough, repetitive post-game dungeons. Just keep them there. Also, bring back the... Uh, the stupid, crazy crafting systems where you can just, like, attach crazy shit to your weapons and gear to get, like, 400% EXP and, you know, raise your attack by 6,000% and just bring it all back. Yeah, we got we got, we got a tiny sl- sliver of, like, how, like, mechanics will work in this game. Not necessarily to that, but, like, in the battle system, like, you have an AP bar that, like, dictates, you know, obviously, like, when you're, like, skills will take up a portion of your AP, but some skills will, like, temporarily boost, like, the uncapped, like, your AP limit in mid-battle. Uh, it's just, like, an interesting thing. And then, like, yeah, and then you can, like, fully customize, like, your, your like, ability chains, like, to correspond, like, which button do you want and, like, how when do you want this to fire off in the middle of, like, your, uh, like, skill combo. And, this like, is, the, the... One of the things I mentioned in my article, one of the things I dislike most about most Star Ocean games 
most of them use just an MP system where you have an HP and an MP bar. And then ultimately the game comes down to like skill spamming where you just find your strongest skill um, and you just do it over and over and over again. And that's literally the best way to play the game is just spam the same skill, do it again and again and again, and then just eat up like blueberries or blackberries, whatever, whatever heals the MP when you need it. So it's hopefully this AP kind of chaining system changes that up a little bit. So you're not just spamming the strongest skill. We'll see once we can get our hands on it. So yeah, I'm very yeah. interested. Very excited. Star Ocean is probably like my like B game series. That's like what I find, you know, not, not all the games are great, but I, I like the things they do. So, yeah. And like, and like we mentioned earlier, like, uh, like, uh, the, we were introduced to Nina. She uses like a bell. She's like the healer of the party. They, uh, describe it as a, a Yatrimancer seeking to cure a deadly disease. What's a Yatrimancer? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, I tried Googling it up, and I was like typing, I was like, this is just made up shit. It may be just a jargon word for start for this world. Like, my Midas here is like an ordinary hermit and brilliant semiomancer. It's like, what's a semiomancer? <laughs> Midas' uh, design is great. <laughs> I, lo- I love this dude already. Mm-hmm. He has, he's, like, he's like a silver hair, grown man. And he has like a purple cape, purple ridiculous hat. Like a floppy top hat. Yeah. <laughs> And then they give a name to the robot assisting you flying is like Duma, and and for Chow here, Duma is voiced by Yu Kobayashi in Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty funny, but uh, yeah. And then we got a new uh, artwork from Akiman here. Very very great artwork uh, about it. It showcases uh, uh, Raymond's bulging muscles as he uh, one hand says ridiculous oversized Buster Sword. It is uh. Quite a beast, quite a beast. I think I think I'm gonna choose Raven. I as saw some. Uh, the game still has that like doll-like look to it, which, for better or worse, that's just the style these games have. Um, and I know some people were put off by that. Like, stop making them look like dolls. But that's just kind of what it is. Um, yeah. I know. The- back when Star Ocean Three was releasing, you know, this was what 20 years ago now. Maybe not that long. 18 years. Um, they. Uh, specifically wanted characters to look like action figures was the the phrasing they used. So I guess that sort of explains like why their heads are maybe a little bit proportioned bigger than like natural and things like that and faces or whatnot. But that's just the style, I guess. I like how you mentioned that because we have come full circle because people who like buy this game before November 30th, they like gain exclusive uh, oh, like, there's a, there's, pawns. There's like, like, I think that's for like, a minigame in the game, right? Yeah, that, yeah, like they a... get like exclusive pawns like in the for the minigame Esoa in the game. But you can also equip these pawns as accessories. And these pawns are like crossover characters from uh, Valkyrie Profile and Radiata Stories. So Lenneth and Lezard from Valkyrie, Valkyrie Profile and Jack and Ridley from Radiata Stories. I actually didn't realize they had Radiata Stories crossovers. I never thought I would like see that yeah. get crossovered. Yep. Radiata, they're, they're Sto- there. Radiata Stories is a game that I don't like its story and I don't like its gameplay or its combat, but I can't help but be fond of it because it's so weird and different. It's like it's like a Majora's Mask uh I think I, I think I would like I think I would like that game better if it like released before Star Ocean Three because its battle system is like a slower Very Star Ocean Three yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that, that it's also weird because like in the Japanese live stream, they also have like a pawn for like the the operator from like the Star Ocean Anamnesis like like 
mobile game that's now shut down, but like there's representation of that in this game too. Just okay, very weird. They they also announced that just like for the marketing campaign in Japan, they're just gonna like have a crossover marketing campaign with like Valkyrie Elysium. I don't know where it's like okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> sure. Valkyrie Elysium is weird because up to now the game was a Triace developed game, but now this next game. Square Enix took the brand and has, is having someone else do it because it's a Square Enix property, yeah. more specifically an Enix property, um, and so it's like kind of different. Where it's like this, I th- and I might be wrong. I th- besides, like the mobile game, this is going to be the first Valkyrie profile game that's not developed by Triace. So let me yeah. double check who well, made the DS game. I'm just curious. The Valkyrie Covenant of the Plume Pro- was that also Triace? Yeah, I think it was. I, I think it was. That sounds right, but. Yeah, just a few more months till uh, yep. Star Ocean Divine Force. Like, I, I haven't actually put down like a, a calendar yet of like, like the, the the time gaps in between like Square Enix releases this year because there's just so much of them. Yep. That's, and they're never stopping. Um, next up, uh, we got a new look, an extensive new look at One Piece Odyssey uh, with a new developer di- diary. I thought this was going to be like, you know, an interview with the producer, like not much game footage, but no, they showed off a lot of new game footage for the upcoming turn-based RPG based on the One Piece uh, manga and anime. Um, obviously, a good chunk of that developer diary was uh, just talking about how the, the game came together and like the game came to like, was started development five years ago um, when they oh, were working on um, One Piece. I didn't Piece, realize it was um, five years ago. Yeah, one started development in 2017. This is still during the One Piece Pirate Warriors 4 era, and they only like reached out to Oda about the character designs, or like maybe a possible like working on this game like three years ago. So they were already two years into development in this game before they approached Oda about it. Um, and you know, for people who are over reading the manga, this game was in production. Like the the scenario of One Piece Odyssey came together as like. Uh, the whole Cake Island arc was reaching its midway point in the manga. Um, so, you know, they, they they showed off like some of Oda's designs, like uh, sketches in it, like obviously with the two game, uh, the two original characters, Audio and Lim, along with the Leviathan and Dry Penguin animals uh, in this, and talking about like you know their collaboration with Ilka in producing this. But then after that, uh, the second half of the developer di- diary uh, showcases like the exploration abilities. That the party members will have, will have, like Luffy can extend his arms to grapple onto points in the environment. Zoro can use his uh, katana to slice through certain environmental environmental op- obstacles. Like in this one, there's like some like prison bars that like he slashed through. Chopper can shrink uh, to pass through narrow pass- passages. And then they really like broke down like how the turn-based battle system was gonna work. They have HP and TP gauges, and selecting skills, uh, you know, will consume some of those resources. They have an attack power, attack range, elemental property, and all that uh, with the skills. And then, like some of the the battles will be like uh, what they call a scramble battle area battles, where there's like a battlefield where, but all your uh, party members like take up different like positions in the in that battlefield, so they can be like behind each other, in front of each other, diagonal from each other. It's not like a, a horizontal line like what you're used to in Dragon Quest games. So, and then, like, different uh, skills may, like, be more effective for, like, rear enemies or, like, other enemies at certain portions of the map, or maybe more effective, like, to nearer enemies. So, like, it, it's, it's really, it seems pretty versatile. They also have uh, detailed uh, things called, like, dramatic scenes that can occur in combat. So, like, 
like a, um, a party member might be in trouble uh, against like these certain enemies that appear, or uh, a, a, a enemy might get like randomly powered up. So like you know, it's like keeping players on their toes uh, for that. They also reached out to Motoi Sakuraba about his uh, work on One Piece Odyssey's music. And yeah, uh, they, they still haven't shared a release date specifically for that game. We just know it's still coming sometime in 2022. I think it's just. But, kind of, I think it's kind of funny if this release is in like October. Or oh whatever. my god! Um, no. Well, <laughs> I'm just thinking like specifically the music. Sakuraba is doing Star Ocean because he always does Star Ocean. He's doing yep. Valkyrie Elysium because he always does Valkyrie Elysium, and he's doing One Piece. Uh, he's also doing uh, um, Aiden, but that's next year. It's like, oh, Sakuraba yeah. is busy. Sakuraba's year, baby. Sakuraba sweep. <laughs> that's, that's the title of this episode. He didn't and he did Trails of Arise last year. So. Oh, yeah. It is a true Sakuraba sweep, for better or worse. But, yeah, that's this this game in motion, like, it makes me want to, like, start reading One Piece. I'm not a I've One Piece person. I've seen a lot of people seeing, like, the gameplay for this. And maybe they're like dragon quest fans and they see this looks like a dragon quest i've seen some people say like it looks like discount dragon quest but that's a good thing yeah um, but like not not familiar with one piece at all and they're like i want to play this because it looks yeah cool. well, I, I might just play it like without any one piece knowledge to see how that is from that perspective because seems, you know it, it seems to be it seems to be like design like the game seems designed for like hey you don't need to have read one piece yeah. to like, enjoy this game so one piece is obvious i've read or i've watched like maybe half i don't know i've seen up to the time skip which these characters here are like the time skip designs so i think in terms of like knowing the character powers that they have at that point that's probably appropriate but it's a standalone story so in terms of like understanding what's going on you may not need that at all so yeah yeah it's a, because they actually shared like a cutscene last night at the anime expo panel for the, this game where like the one of the original characters like the lady like she like kind of like like turns like their s- skills and powers into like cubes and like scatters them all over the island so it's just like okay you know your powers. That, 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 that almost feels just like a gameplay kind of uh yeah convenient or not the, what's the word i'm thinking of just like it's just the gameplay conceit like this is it's why like the you, this is why the, this is why your characters don't have all their powers to begin with yeah. you have to like find them or unlock them to unlock it's like, 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 your it's like when death moves. takes away all the cards like powers at the yep. beginning of Symphony Nights. like yeah samus fuck you. <laughs> falling or samus losing her suit or whatever to yeah all of her abilities just it's the gameplay conceit like this is why but still, it looks yeah. cool. I might play this. I just, you know, this, the fall schedule is getting a little bit busier, um, especially October. November is November has Pokemon and Harvestella, I guess. Starfield is now out of there, but yeah, it's 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 stacking up. It's starting to. Our option might as well be a November game because it's yeah, it's late like October. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, always end of October. So. You know, it's it's definitely filling up. But we should maybe we should play this One Piece game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You as the experience One Piece enjoyer and me, the the small brain uh, One Piece newcomer out of nowhere. Like, oh, Why yeah. can this woman grow arms out of her back? She, exactly. Like some part, some part of that trailer or like the the gameplay thing is like that. This this lady is you some has some gigantic feet yep. in combat. That's her power. To, to, her name's Robin, is, and that's what she can do. I, I guess. Sure, if you t- if you say so. To me, it's just like some fetishist designed this power, and, <laughs> that, might not and be, it's like, that might not be incorrect. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> look forward to it. Um, let's see. Sega has recently uh, shared and announced uh, just yesterday at the, at the time of this recording 
that they are bringing Fantasy Star Online 2 and Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis to PlayStation 4 in the in the West uh, this August 31. So obviously, this these games have already now been uh, launched on PS4 in Japan, but not in in the West uh, yet. So August 31, uh, people with PlayStations can hop in. They can also play using their PS5s using the uh, its backwards compatibility feature. Um, and you know they'll have they'll it'll be uh, the content will be up to date to the Western versions for both of these games. So they'll have access to nine years of PSO2 content. And uh, a lot of PSO2 New Genesis content, including the Frozen Resolution update that uh, has the Kavaris uh, region in it and the Waker class. And that was and, the, that uh, was like the most recent update, I think, right? Or yeah, like a, a yeah. recent update this summer. Yeah, and uh, they can uh, crossplay with people on Xbox and PC uh, releases uh, from the get go. Uh, and if they have an existing uh, PSO2 account for either either uh, for both uh, or one of these games, they can transfer it from that uh, platform over to the PlayStation 4, so their progress will be carried over with it. So they're just making it nice and easy, and this is not isolated at all. Everyone can play together. So there you go. August 31, it's free to play. Hop in, whatever you want, PSO2, or PSO2 New Genesis. You can start playing them both, or one or the other. Uh, yeah, so cool. That. <laughs> I I assume uh, a lot of uh, people have been waiting for for this for a while. So there you go. And of course, PSO2 New Genesis has uh, is still getting updates uh, on a month month basis for that. And you know, Brian Brian has been playing that and been been releasing guides continually for New Genesis. So hey, if you're gonna hop in for the first time and uh, need some help uh, finding some stuff for New Genesis, just say. And Brian has been working hard on the on those guides and keeping them up to date. And then, uh, just recently, just today, uh, there was a, a a show like a YouTube a YouTube show that uh, the promo uh, partnered with Square Enix to show off more Diofield Chronicle. This is uh, kind of like that strategy RPG, uh, tactical RPG that they uh, announced a few months back. Uh, Square Enix has announced uh, that it'll be coming on September twenty second this year on my birthday, uh, and a demo is launching on August tenth. For Diofield Chronicle, and then they showed a bunch of new gameplay as well on that uh, channel that they partnered with too. I've never oh. played this. I'm sure Chow has. Like, I guess um, people are saying that this gameplay, this like this specific tactical RPG style, reminds them of Growlancer. That's what people are uh, saying. I, I play Growlancer. It's like a real time strategy. You yeah, and that's what people are saying. Diofield looks like like real time kind of strategy, more more so than like. I feel like the default that people think of is like Final Fantasy Tactics, but it's not that. It's like it's like you have free movement and like attack ranges, and not rather than like a grid. Um, but you know, again, I've never played that Growlancer, so I'm just kind of going by like how people are describing it. Uh, it looks cool. It's you know, it's it's tactical games are kind of hard to judge from like a distance, sort of. I mean, all yeah. games are, but especially tactical games. But uh, you know, it, it's interesting, and it's got good art style. It's it's like the Lord of Vermilion art, I believe, artist, um, and both in like both for like the like character like drawn art as well as kind of the it's kind of got this sort of diorama style, not quite like Fantasian, but a similar kind of look to it. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious about this one. Yeah, uh, I'm 
it, once again, it's something like totally new from Square Enix. Uh, like even though, like just like with Harvestella, like they definitely use Rune Factory as an inspiration for that game, and this is using Langrisser as an inspiration for it. Uh, it it's like I don't know. Like <laughs> Square Enix is like in a weird tangent. It's like, hey, we'll have like these smaller teams working on their stuff, and then release date schedule be damned if we're going to compete against ourselves. You know, we're just going to release it. <laughs> you know what? I'm kind of here for it. Have you? Did, you, did they share anything else? Because it's a very, very new news story. I haven't been able to like watch anything or read up or anything. Did they share anything else besides like the release date and the demo? Not really. Uh, it's worth mentioning that this technically comes from like the Japanese side, and the Western side hasn't confirmed anything. I, I'd have to imagine it's almost assuredly going to be the same date. There's probably going to be a demo, but just noting that this is coming from the from the Japanese side directly. Um, I'm sure because of the holiday weekend in the U.S., Square Enix will probably announce this officially, like on Tuesday. Um, now, when they, when Square Enix originally announced this game back in March, they had at that time had already released a bunch of character profiles, a bunch of gameplay screenshots and descriptions, both of the tactical battles and like the subsystems, the staff behind the game, and everything. So, like, we already knew quite a bit going in. Um, so check out our announcement post if you want to read up more in this game because it's got a lot yeah. of information there. So yeah, you have like the characters, exactly how the battle system works, and like they they, they like they front loaded like the info for this game like when they first announced it. So yeah. it's kind of we, we kind of have a good idea of like what this game is like already, oddly enough. But you know, it's uh, it looks man. There's so many games. Like uh, it felt like there's nothing coming out at the second half of this year, and now it's just like it feels overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, May and, like, most of June are pretty quiet, and now it's just, like, sheesh, like, it's starting to fill up. Yeah. But yeah, there's... Well, I'm, I'm, looking, looking, I'm, I'm re-looking at the, uh, I'm re-looking at the, uh, the announcement stuff, so again, this isn't new, but, you know, you have, obviously, the real-time tactical battle system, you have, like, a headquarter system where you can, like, upgrade and create new weapons, there's a skill tree, you have, like, you have, uh... Accommodations for each character. You have leaders and adjutant characters. Uh, more information on like ambush attacks and other battle fundamentals. There's a lot so that, that they've already described already. But uh, gets a little bit into the weeds. But kind of tactical games are like that sometimes. So uh, I'm curious. I know uh, yeah. Alex was saying that he feels. I think it was Alex. Maybe it was someone else. Um, was saying Alex, our boss that like this kind of feels like almost like a response to something like three houses seeing how popular that was like here's our tactical version of a game it's not quite the same but um has some similar vibes okay um also just very recently as well as of today um aquaplus has released a, a new gameplay trailer for Monochrome Mobius, Rights and Wrongs Forgotten. Another and... game that's getting a simultaneous localized release. We were talking about that earlier with uh, um, Dragon Quest. And this, even the Utawara Muno series is getting simultaneous releases. Yeah, there's the Utawara Rumono spinoff. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I was able to, like, uh, get, you know, uh, see some of the trailer and, like, the battle system. They really break down the battle system. <laughs> What's interesting about this battle system is they have, at the top left corner, like, a ring system uh, that showcases tur- turn order. And, like, the first thing when I saw that ring, I was like, man, remember Shadow Hearts, Adam? I think me and you both thought, Shadow Hearts, bring back the Judgment Ring. <laughs> yeah, go! But it's definitely not it's the not Judgment that. Ring. Uh, to be Hearts. honest, just looking at that ring, even after watching the trailer, I'm not sure if I'm reading it 100% correctly. Uh, I'm sure once you become acquainted with the game it'll make sense but like 
it seems like it, it shows turn order, but it's, uh, there's also like different race tracks that your character can be on, and you could be on like the shorter track, which means your turns will come around faster, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They um, mentioned like like uh, like some skills like transfer you to like to the inner ring or like hitting stun monsters will transfer you to the inner ring, and being in the inner ring will get your tur- turns faster. So you're so like, like I think the battle system is really emphasizing like stealing turns and manipulating turn order. So like your enemies get as few turns as possible. Yep. So you get you get you get you get interactions faster. But yeah, this um, trailer also... mostly was like a gameplay overview. Some scenes, of yeah. course, but like they showed yeah. the battle system with this not judgment ring, and then <laughs> and running, you can run around the field in the game. Yeah, and, like, it's it's, it's another zone based game. Open zone gameplay, just like Sonic Frontiers. Yep. Uh, so yeah, and uh, it looks pretty that's... good. Like just. Both the art style and just, you know, like, technical fidelity. Um, mm-hmm. The other Utawara Mono games were, like, Vita games. So, you know, uh, they had that limitation. This game is not. And, like, you know, the character models look good, both artistically and technically. It seems that, you know, animations are really cool in battle, uh, running around the overworld. The overworld itself it may be, like, the weakest part, like, textures or whatever. But it looks pretty nice. The game does. Yeah. yeah, it it is still kind of a shame that only the PC version is coming over, as far as we know. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it is coming out worldwide on Steam uh, September 8th. So that was another look at uh, Monochrome Mobius, Rights and Wrongs Forgotten. Um, next, we do have... Uh, you wrote up on this. I'm very unfamiliar with it, uh, Adam. The Circus Electric. It's a steampunk, story-driven, tactical, turn-based... RPG uh, releasing later this year for consoles and PC. Tell me, tell me about it. Okay, so um, Zen Studios, I believe they are Ukrainian. Um, let me look that up. I don't want to misspeak. Uh, so they are known for pinball games, usually. Uh, Hungarian, excuse me. Not Ukraine, Hungarian. Um, <laughs> and uh, for the longest, for most of their history, they made pinball games. But a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago, they made a dungeon crawler RPG called Operencia The Stolen Sun, which I played and reviewed, and I thought it was actually pretty darn solid for a dungeon crawler game coming from a pinball studio. And I'd always been curious about what they're going to do next, um, and this is it. So this is a... It's like a tactical circus RPG with some like circus oh. management. Uh, it's steampunk. It's got like a pretty unique art style, kind of like almost like kind of a claymation-y type of look to it, where you play as like, I guess there's some like plague or something going around the world, turning people into like hostile zombie-ish creatures. But your circus is the only people, are the only people unaffected. And I guess you have like various characters with various abilities that are like, you know, you have like a strong man and a clown and whatever, uh, <laughs> are the only way, are the only people that can stop this. So it's, you know... Uh, I will all admit, like the premise and the art style may not be exactly like the type of sort of things I normally go for, but I like their previous game, and it's just kind of something unique and different. Like I never, I don't know of any similar game like this from off the top of my head. The battles uh, look like Darkest Dungeon to me, like the the way that the UI is laid out and how, how your party members uh, face the, like, the enemies. It yeah, reminds you of Darkest Dungeon. There's a system in place where like it's turn based. And your characters are, like, in four separate slots. Like, there's a character in front, in the second position, the third position, and the fourth position. And then, like, certain abilities you can only do from certain slots. So it was talking... The trailer talks about, like, 
before you do an ability, you might have to move around your characters, like move the person in the first slot to the third slot, and so and so on. So there's you know that's that's where the tactical part of the uh, the of the description of the type of game it is comes into play. Um, and you know it's it's the type of game where I'm like curious enough to at least keep an eye on it. Yeah, it, it, it's very different. Like you don't really think about uh, circus themed RPGs that often. It's like steampunk <laughs> circus tactical RPG. So. Yeah, um, it was actually announced a while ago. I just missed it. Um, but they released a new trailer um, recently, so mm-hmm. so yeah, it's coming to basically all platforms this year, sometime. Cool, yeah, that looks awesome. Uh, Jack is back, maybe on yeah. July twenty fifth. Uh, Square Enix Don't has say announced. Jack is back. He never left. He never <laughs> left. <laughs> uh, on July twentieth, the the first DLC to Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is coming with Trials of the Dragon King. Uh, the, the for people who have not finished Stranger of Paradise, um, like be wary. That trailer, very, pretty, this DLC, pretty much uh, picks up off of the very end of the base game. So I won't spoil anything about that. But you know, for people who want to check, uh, want to check it out. Check it out. Um, it's a very brief trailer uh, showcasing what happens after the end of the base game and what Jack is up to. Apparently, Jack never left, uh, according to uh, people here. So, all right, I'll take it. Uh, and you also do face off against uh, what looks to be Bahamut with your party uh, in the game, because obviously, trials the Dragon King, Dragon King, Bahamut. Um, this is the first of three uh, DLCs uh, coming to the game. They uh, Enix, uh, previously announced this. So apart from Trials of the Dragon King, at a later date, we'll also have Wanderer the Rift and Different Future all in so caps. So when they announced these titles, Trials of the Dragon King, I, I, obviously that's Bahamut. I didn't, I, you know, you fight him, I assume, at some point. Uh, the Wanderer of the Rift, I'm guessing, I'm guessing Gilgamesh, because he just wanders and always jumps around from like, timeline to timeline somehow. I guess we don't know that for sure. I assume that you'd be fighting the warriors of light in different future, kind of like, you know, I don't know, some what if story of Final Fantasy one. But I guess that's I guess that's in the uh, this Bahamut DLC instead. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I have no idea what is different future. Right what is there. different future then? I don't know. Uh oh. <laughs> so. Who knows? Yeah. So that, that I, I'm I want to hop uh, back in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So sure. Why I'm ready not? for it. I like how yep. um, two things. One, this seems intentional, uh, or uh, that was a weird way to put it. But they they embrace the meme on Twitter, like with the fist bump uh, for Jack. Which, you know, <laughs> honestly, the fist bump actually has like meaning in the game too. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> uh, about like you know, like we need the meme where it's basically like we're calling all Jack Bros who's gonna like join up for this for this DLC, and they they embrace that on Twitter. Um, also, and this feels like just you know some social person being goofy, but the the website for this game, the YouTube link for this trailer, for a few hours, the, the YouTube link, if you clicked from it on the website, was a Rickroll. What? Yeah, I am, that was I am, there for like a little bit, and then they. I am uh, not joking. Painted. If you went to the Stranger Paradise website and clicked watch trailer, it would bring you to Rick Atley. Rick Atley is never going to yeah. give you up. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure what they prob- why that probably happened is before the update to the site went live. They probably had that as a placeholder. Yeah, so, but someone, really someone put it in as a placeholder and forgot to swap is, it out. Like, okay. Holy shit, that's so good. <laughs> I had no idea. What in the world? So, that's 
That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's excellent marketing. <laughs> Two hundred IQ move. <laughs> it is, kind of is. Actually, they did fix it, like, like maybe an hour or so, but it was just like on the official website and everything. Very funny. That's Wait, funny. I'm ready for this. Um, yeah, July twentieth. That's the end of this month, <laughs> so just around the corner. Uh, we had another update to the Legend of Mana, the Teardrop Crystal TV anime series. Basically saying, hey, it's coming October. We did finally see first footage of this anime in motion. Adam. Yeah, it looks, you know, pretty good. Like, I don't know if the animation itself is amazing or if it really needs to be, but the colors are great. You know, Legend of Mana is a very colorful game. Uh, and, like, the art, I think is pretty, you know, faithful to the mana style art of Hakan or Hassan, I have you pronounce his name. Um okay. and you know, I'm definitely interested in this. I we probably have talked it? about this on the on a previous podcast. Um yeah. this this story arc, there's three in the game, is probably the one that was best suited for like an anime style adaptation. Uh so I'm definitely curious about it. We don't know anything about like I assume it'll be on Crunchyroll or um, but I don't think they've said. Like, yeah, I don't where. think they've said they It's going to be available worldwide, but we don't know yeah. where, where. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no, the, they also revealed the... that uh, you're probably just going to say this. Yeah, go for so it. when they originally announced it, it was going. It had like the male protagonist Shiloh as the character, pre- you know, present. But they they revealed that the female character Serafina will also be in there. So it's kind of like normally in the game you just pick male or female protagonist. Seems like in this anime version, there's going to be both of them. So how will that work? We'll see. Um, see it. I, I saw some people speculating that maybe uh, this seems like maybe like wishful thinking, but like Shiloh will be doing the Jumi storyline and Serafina will be doing one of the other ones. But it's like hmm, that's probably too wishful thinking. But anyways, in, in either case, they're both in the anime. So interesting, and yeah, they just and, and it's your favorite voice actress. I'm just saying, it's uh, the 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 trailer showcased the opening theme song, and the theme song's uh, titled "Tear of Bill" by Serafina's voice actress Sayori Hayami, the goat. Um, and you know, the song is also composed by and arranged by Kevin Penkin, who's primarily known for his work at the Main in the in the this and the Rising the Shield Hero anime adaptation. So that's a that's a powerful duo for the opening theme, uh, with Hayami and Penkin at the helm there. So that's. Hey, two of my favorite people uh, in the industry uh, working together uh, warms my heart. They also uh, showed off the voice, uh, the the anime designs, and the and the, uh, voice actors for uh, several of Legend of Mana characters like Bud and Lisa, who's uh, named Corona in Japanese, uh, Duel and Lil Cactus. So they'll be Cactus the, <laughs> They'll be in the show as well. But yeah. That's I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm, I want to watch it. I'm really curious to see the uh, or hear the uh, Yoko Shimomura music. She did the yes. original compositions. She's doing the anime compositions, which I assume will be. I did, this is like this anime. Like I didn't think much of it at first, but it's really shaping up. This uh, so. this this is just kind of a reminder how long animation takes. But this project was off the ground before the remaster, like was even decided on. Right. And that was released, you know, a year ago now. So, like, this has been in the works. That's just kind of animation for you. Um, but I just hope it's decent. Like, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not hoping for like you know, amazing, an amazing thing. But it's just like I want to see how they adapt this. I'm just curious. It was a good trailer with not great subs, English subs. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, the subtitles were kind of Englishy. I'm just kind of like, mm, 
<laughs> I hope it's better than that when they subtitle it, actually. So, yeah. Um, Bandai Namco continues to uh, show more of Digimon Survive because it's out at the end of the month. Um, they released a new gameplay trailer showing, you know, moral choices, exploration, and combat. Um, one of the things that I didn't, I don't remember if they announced it or kind of caught me off guard was in battle, characters can talk to Digimon to raise their stats temporarily, but you can also talk to enemies. Uh, in battle and try to convince them to join your side. So a lot of people when they saw this, it's like it's like, oh, it's Devil Sh- Devil Survivor. <laughs> then I, uh, dude, if this game doesn't bang, I'm gonna be so disappointed. <laughs> I hope it's good, but if it fumbles, it I see. The problem is this game has been in dev hell for so long. It is a it is a more than justifiable fear to to think that this game might not hit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a new developer. Colin, Colin, yeah. Le- yeah, let me just say this. Uh, Labyrinth of Galleria was also in dev hell, and it turned out to be my game of the year 2020. Okay, so don't but that doesn't... Hope. No, 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 but what I'm saying is most of the time... It doesn't work game, out, you're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm saying it's a valid feat. Like, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I... And especially because it seems like those uh, Devil Survivor influences are a bit, they're laid a bit thick. But that's good because Atlas has left me starved for Devil Survivor content <laughs> for yeah. about a decade now. And I, I'm ho- I just, I think this game looks, I, think I the, hope it's I think good. The, I think but I'm Atlas also team... worried. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, like, I hope it's good, but if it is good, it's going to feel all the worse when it inevitably bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Atlas team that was on Double Survivor, obviously things move around and shift around. I think they're basically on Soul Hackers now. You know, kind of That'll be the game of all time. That'll be the <laughs> so game think, of all time right there. I think they right basically there. moved on from Double Survivor. I, 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 really, to... I really hope that, like, if Digimon Survive is, like, excellent, and I hope it, dear God, it's excellent, I really hope it really has, like, like people fans and like people who can afford it like show up and support it because yeah. it, it really it really needs it against One, some of the big heavy hitters at the end of uh this month it was kind of cool to see um i was watching the anime expo panel for bandai namco and um what was the producer there habu yeah habu? yeah habu and yeah um and like he was actually seemed like he was actually kind of like moved a bit by all the fans that were there, and most of them were there for Digimon Survive. It got like the biggest yeah, reaction, they're... and he even said like he was kind of like nervous and sheepish, and he was just kind of like, "Wow, you're all here for me," kind of thing, or for my game, uh, for Digimon. And I thought that was actually kind of sweet. Um, yeah, like you're you know a Japanese creator, you're probably not thinking too much about like worldwide fans in the West, you know, that much. Uh, as you're focusing on developing the game, you travel to Los Angeles, and then you just see like this massive crowd of people, basically like there for your game. That, that was pretty. I thought that was kind of a nice moment, actually. So yeah, it was really really cool. He was very moved. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that he was able to like get that interaction, like get that response from fans there. Very very cool uh, when that happened. That very loud. But, yep. uh, but it was definitely I the loudest. I was I had the stream on in the background and like talking about Doraemon, you know, some cheers and whatnot. And JoJo had was a little bit louder, but Digimon was just like, "Whoa, people are here for this." So yeah, uh, I I will say while we're talking about Digimon, um, am I the only one who thinks the sprite animation's kind of weird? It's like tweening. I think it's like, the because, it's like they're using two D sprites on like a three D like plane. Yeah, um, and I think I think that's fine. Uh, the sprites like themselves are high quality. Like the drawing's great, 
but the way they're animated looks yeah, kind like cheap. Combat. It, um, yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that. I'm sure I'll get used to it. Uh, I think all of the uh, VN and choice stuff looks really good. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I hope if, like, I hope at the very least the story's good. Because, like, if the gameplay sucks, you know, that's, like, that's one thing. You can lower the difficulty, get through it. But if, like, if, I want at least one part of this game to really hold up. Uh, but ideally, you know, this is just a good game that's been delayed uh, to make it even better. So, who knows? Yeah. So we already went over the Sword Art Online stuff a little bit uh, earlier. But, you know, Sword Art, uh, Sword Art Online Elicization liquor. Licorice that came out two years ago is now getting a, a new DLC called Blooming of Matricaria. And uh, it's also getting a Switch port. Uh, I, I don't know if they announced the release date for the Switch no, port. I, I think they said... Oh, no. They said the DLC was coming out like in a few months, but the Switch port they weren't sure on. So Okay. Yeah. So More content coming to that game. Uh, Godspeed on its uh, Switch performance because it's a pretty big, uh, pretty large scope game. Apparently it didn't perform well on the other platforms that launched. So just kind of like, hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's been shaped up a bit since then. It's been two years. But uh, I think I mentioned earlier, Bandai Namco has released several, you know, Switch ports late. Uh, So this is just another one. Um, Hopefully it does, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Sabotage Studio has delayed uh, Sea of Stars to 2023. Uh, that is the, the uh, Kickstarter campaign that was back in early 2020. Its uh, title is uh, meant to serve as the prequel to the studio's uh, previous title, The Messenger. So obviously, you know, the, 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 they cited the, the reason for the Sea of Stars delay, of delay was to you know, uh, maintain the quality of life of our team and quality of the finished game. You know, take the time, uh, take all the time you need to finish that game. It looks gorgeous and beautiful. Um, you know, despite the delay, they, the dev team mentioned that they are exploring options to have a playable slice out to everyone this year. So not just the Kickstarter backers or anything. So, you know, all, all, all the best to them. You know, take your time. Uh, it, it looks to be a really special project. I also went to their YouTube uh, channel. They've been releasing, like, clips of the game uh, gradually over the coming months. So I tried to share a few clips of the game and development, they're all fairly quick. And, uh, but it, it, one of the clips was fishing. Yeah, if you for, if you if you don't remember which game this is, this is like the pixel art game that seems to have, um, maybe like a Chrono Trigger like influence to it. Uh, but it looks really nice. Like at the very least, this game will look great. So yeah, we'll see how it like story and mechanics work out. So yeah. Um. To top it all off, we have some sales updates. We have uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance has surpassed 5 million units sold worldwide. Um, that's the from 2018. This came out on 2018. And uh, I played last, this. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last time we heard about it, uh, about sales updates, was uh, it passed a 3 billion mark back in 2020. <laughs> it almost sounded like uh, you said 3 billion. Like, wow, this game has done really well. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I played this game when it launched. The one thing about this game that I think it did really well that like most games don't are it was its like side quest design. Very briefly, it was the type of like quest design where you would be very kind of like surface level here. You'd be asked to like do a thing, um, but you, the way you could approach it was like you might have like four different avenues to do it. One like just killing people. One like if you talk to people like elsewhere, you might be able to get like a different result. Or if you like 
you know, to do a little side quest for a different character, it might affect a different quest. There was just like a lot of permutations in how quests could work. It did make it a little bit glitchy because there's just so many different paths you could take. But like, it was definitely the almost antithesis of just like the go of the fetch quest design. I thought that did really well in that regard. And apparently, this game has sold really well. Five million. Yeah, I, 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 see, I, see, I haven't been able to play this game myself, but I've seen like streams and playthroughs of this game, and it seems it's, very versatile. It, it, it kind of it kind of is almost got that uh that uh immersive sim kind of. Mm-hmm. vibe to it where almost like emergent gameplay and storytelling where you can just kind of it's like a gigantic sandbox um they did announce this game is also coming to switch kind of in a weird like blase announcement last summer then they haven't said anything since so it's just like okay okay um, uh, well, you know yeah. best of luck that seems to be uh a, a challenge to bring it to switch yeah they, they even said when they announced it, like, we didn't think this could happen, but actually it will. Then it's like, nothing said. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> well, we said it could, so we gotta keep working at it. Um, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster has surpassed 600,000 units uh, sold worldwide. Um, and that is as of, yeah, those are just the re- most recent numbers that yeah, Atlas has reported. As of March 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, this is the sort of thing where I think like people's expectations are warped. I see people saying this is a bomb, but like the original release of this probably sold like a third of that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously SMT, I think SMT5 is at 1 million. So, you know, that's obviously the new and shiny thing. Um, but like 600,000 for a remaster of Nocturne, you know, not setting the world on fire, but I think that's pretty darn good. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, something like this being a probably lower, like, well, not probably definitely a lower budget project than just making a new SMT game mm-hmm. for it to sell this well. Yeah. That's probably a huge profit. And I think, uh, SMT four was, is I, it's been a while, but that was, that was also, I think our last known number for SMT four is also 600,000, uh, as of like 2015, so quite old by now, uh, and obviously only on DS or 3DS. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not Persona, you know, four million numbers or whatever Persona Five is at. But um, nothing just needs that. Now the obvious thing is, I I hope they port more to play to uh, PC and Switch, like Digital Double Saga or whatnot. I hope they maybe do a slightly better job with the remastering because the Nocturne remaster, it's not, I don't think it's like awful, but it's not ideal Ideal. either. It's, it's got some, it's just got some issues you kind of have to accept. Um, so I hope they do. I hope they continue, um, with more, with more of their catalog and maybe just have the port be a little bit better, uh, if they can. So, well, you're paying the premium for the voice acting. No, you're paying the premium for Dante. So that's true. Uh, okay. Some people Very are still thing. really mad about that. Like, how dare you charge $10 for Dante? Which, you know, I get, <laughs> but, like, people hold a grudge on that. So, obviously yeah. the argument is, is yes, it was included in the American release, and if you look at it a certain way, it feels like they removed it so they could charge you for it, but they... Had they probably had to re up the license and that was yeah. not free, so yeah, and I'm, realities. <laughs> so. And I'm sure it, it probably was worth even more now since DMC is bigger than it's ever been. So, yeah. okay, uh, very quickly, uh, Chow, I know you wanted to uh, get to this, so I, I will let you have just a little bit of time. 
Uh, this is not really an RPG, but uh, you know, I know you were very enthusiastic to talk about this. Um, a few days ago, um, the uh, Tencent Games subsidiary Lightspeed Studios announced uh, Code to Jin Yong. It's like Code colon to Jin Yong. It's like an open world action game uh, inspired by the you know series of martial arts novels by Jin Yong. Uh, I was not. I'm, I wasn't. You know. Privy to Jin Yong and like his works, but you were very, 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 very uh, excited to, about this announcement. Uh, tell, tell, tell people about like you know first like what's Jin Yong's novels and like uh, like why it means so much to you. Okay, so Jin Yong is basically a wuxia novel writer from the '60s, right? Uh, he would write like these short stories in like the newspaper publishing. And people would just read them. It's like a weekly shonen jump, except in, in a newspaper. You just got to keep reading them, right? So they were sold in the episodic format like that. And, well, he, he's regarded as kind of like the token of, um, of Hong Kong. But the most hilarious part is Hong Kong is not allowed to adapt any of his stories anymore because they botched the ending of one of his works. Wait, well, how? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, basically, they dis- Disney-fied his, the ending of one of them because the ending is kind of depressing and anonymous. Basically, these two characters decide to fight each other. You don't know what's going to happen. But instead, the Hong Kong adaptation, they change the ending where they have the results and it's a happy ending. The girl that he was fighting has amnesia, so we just pretend nothing happened. Okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, so they that, watch his ending, and he's like, and "No." Because I, of I, that, I, they can no longer adapt anything else. Yeah, they refuse to sell the license to Hong Kong again. Okay. So apparently, everyone else can adapt it, like mainland China and everyone else, but not Hong Kong. So, yeah, I, did you get the chance to look at this game? Um, yes, it's, I did. It's it's one of those games that's described as like open world adventure. So not rpg as far as we know so we're not like covering it properly but it's, it's you know something cool and different we're seeing more i feel like we're seeing more wuxia style or chinese developed uh games getting like english translations and releases potentially this one i don't think was announced um so, was it let, let me see like if you were watching this trailer you'll be just thinking of just two generic guys fighting right but sure. if you're into jin yong's works you know that the character that they're fighting is uh, is kind of like a standout character from his series. Like the character that's wearing an iron mask, that's a time skip character from from his uh, popular novel Return of the Condor Heroes. Uh, in this part, the main character has lost his arm, and now he has like this giant heavy sword and becomes like a million times stronger than he was before. And and it's like a very standout feature because you would know it's him because he's missing an arm and he's wearing an iron mask. And the other character that's fighting him that you don't really know who it is because he looks that you kind of figure out, oh, it must be that guy because only that character knows how to use that technique. It's like watching Vegeta using Gallic Gun. <laughs> Vegeta knows how to use oh. Gallic Gun or something like that, right? I um, Not to interrupt real quick, I do have to bounce. Uh, okay. We're yeah. wrapping up anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, oh, dang. Yeah, we're, 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 no, we're wrapping up, but you can leave early, Colin, if you need to go. That's fine. All right, cool. But uh, yeah. this has been fun. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly but surely inching closer and closer to being on a full podcast episode. <laughs> you almost made it. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, you only had, if you only had like five more minutes. Oh, unfortunately, I do That's not. That's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Colin, Colin you, you go need what you uh, go do what I, you need to do. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, for sure. I'm getting the Kirby uh, bubble tea that is apparently a thing now. So. Oh yeah. Uh, wait, wait. 
the Kirby uh, who, 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 men- yeah. who mentioned it to you? Because I was mentioning in the, um, KZ's chat like last night. So. Uh, I love George I, I, mentioned it. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uh, there for that. But uh, yeah, Kung Fu Tea. If you yeah. go there, you get a Kirby cup and a special Kirby drink. So I go to Kung Fu Tea all the time, this. though. I need to look yeah. into this. So let's. Yeah. I, I, yeah um, um, Joshua Paul, should be one in Cerritos. I think that might be the closest one to you. Okay, there, that this is news to me. I don't know what the fuck the uh, kung, kung Fu Tea or Kirby Tea is, but that let's make that our homework assignment for the night. All right. Let's all put pictures of our Kung Fu Tea. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Take care, care, Carolina. All right, bye. Bye. But yeah, before I finish up, uh, that main character that was using the sword techniques, he's from a different universe, like a total different timeline kind of novel. He's from this this novel called uh, Smiling Proud Wanderer. And this is a a very popular uh, novel in China because a lot of the characters in this novel, they're kind of like a a leader of a martial art cult, and everyone kind of represents a leader of some sort, and people would see them like like a nation being represented. It's like animal farm kind of, kind of idea with the martial art leaders. And anyways, the way that you see this character using the sword techniques, it's like, yeah, it has to be that guy. It can't be anybody else. So I think I, it's really, I think it's really cool that you have like that recognition immediately. Like that it's so iconic that it's like, yeah, I, 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 I identify this character immediately even without I, anything else. Like That's he cool. used like there's a part in the trailer about like one minute and twenty seconds in. He used like a drill kind of slash move. Uh, that slash move is a trademark move from from this. Uh, was it? It's called the Nine Swords of Dugu, which is used to counter all kinds of like like fighting methods. And it's such a trademark move because you remember he used this move in the in this you know this book or the tv series where the where their master gets ambushed by nine different assassins and he managed to use this move on them and he cuts all nine of their eyes out holy shit so that's basically that's, what happened there that's fucking crazy that that's why you remember the move because he, he cut out the <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, yeah i would definitely remember a move if it was like that but uh, yeah, yeah that's so, that's, that's really he, cool because no. he comes from a different universe, like what is it? Is it gonna be a gotcha game, or you're just like learning moves as an avatar from like different characters in their series? You know, nah, I, I, I don't know, probably not. So this looks like a console game. This code to Jinyong, but I mean, uh, like, th- thank you for sharing that though, like, because I didn't know. But like, if this is such a big deal to like people like in that fan base, like, or people who don't know, like that, like this has such a rich history. Like, you know, that that should be shared, and I think that's really really cool. So that's all, all we really have is like this, this, this debut trailer for that. I, I don't think it's a mobile game. I think it's a co- fully console, full console I, game. Or... There's also one thing I'd like to share with yeah. the character. This character has like, he trains under a master that that is basically like his foster parents, and that master people call him a fine gentleman. And mm. in China, when you call someone a fine gentleman, it means you're a two faced backstabber. That's how oh. people. Oh shit! It. That's how okay. popular this character has become associated in real life because that character is known as a backstabber, and his name is called Fine of Gentleman. So if someone calls you a fine gentleman, that basically means you're a two faced. Oh, so like like like, like, was, like that was like like internalized into like the actual like a, a saying that's like the origin of that saying. In, in real life, like so, because this character is so popular because of that, you know, his master oh. is backstabber. Holy shit! So people call you, oh, you're a fine gentleman. It's like, yeah, they're kind of referring to that guy. Wow. Huh. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That's kind of like some lore for you for Jin Yong. But yeah, his stories are really popular. They're kind of like trails because if you get 
like one reference goes to the next book and it just keeps going on, you know? Yeah. A lot to look forward to in the coming months. So, yeah. Uh, we have that. We have all the other RPGs coming out the latter half of this year. We've reached about the midway point of 2022 and now with uh, July. Um, Anime Expo is still going on and we're going to get probably some more bits of news here and there and see what the upcoming week has as we all uh, wait for the big hitters coming uh, at the end of the month with Xenoblade 3, Digimon Survive, Live Alive. Um, Anything else uh, I'm missing outside of that? I don't think so. But yeah, Uh, until then, uh, thank you so much. If you've reached this point in the podcast, thank you so much for uh, listening to this beefy episode of the TetraCast. Um, you can find us over at our site at rpgsite.net. You can find us on Twitter at rpgsite, on Facebook through rpgsite.net, youtube.com slash rpgsite.net. Uh, you can find us on your favorite uh, podcast app, uh, with iTunes, Spotify, and any other uh, podcast app. You can, uh, on our front page at the site, you can type this little Discord icon uh, at the top to go join our Discord server. Uh, every, every day, everything's popping off in there. Everyone's having fun, having a good time. Um, until then, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, James. Thank you, Chow. And of course, uh, he's left already, but thank you, Cullen, for joining us on this episode of the TetraCast. Until then, uh, uh, t- take care, stay safe, and uh, brace yourself for the upcoming uh, Sakuraba sweep coming up soon. <laughs>